Welcome back, guys, to the Pod of Greed. Yep. We are happy to be here for another week to talk Yu-Gi-Oh! and AI and... Yeah, card games in general. Tech games, everything, it seems like. Marvel. even a little bit of politics. So, guys, stay tuned for Paul's opinions on the 2024 election. Yeah, that's what this pod's all about. (laughs) Um, Don't worry, guys. I will never give you our political opinions. We don't want to get canceled. Yeah, so um, welcome back to another week. Uh, Yeah, we've got just a lot to talk about. I guess we better kick it off with um, some reviews, actually. Multiple? Yeah. um, Okay. So... If you guys hear noises, by the way, they're literally doing construction like right outside of where we're recording. So we apologize in advance they're and hope literally it's not. laying pot, pipe right outside this window. <laughs> pot, <laughs> yeah, right the there. Pot, no, they installed it. Okay, we have a, um, a review from uh, the podcast. This is from Downtown Andy. He says uh, he gave us five stars, so thanks for that. I drive a truck for USPS. I'm waiting for a package from USPS today. It's downtown Andy. Yeah, maybe he's delivering it. And when I started listening to podcasts on the road a few years ago, there wasn't much related to Yu-Gi-Oh. Love the content you guys put up on Facebook and YouTube and now here. Keep it up. Hey, we will, Andy. Cool, yeah. Appreciate the what review. the same downtown Andy from Craigslist? Hmm. <laughs> That's a whole so, other story. We'll get into that later. So, yeah, uh, speaking of Yu-Gi-Oh, though, what's going on with Yu-Gi-Oh? Oh, uh, so it's a slow week. Uh, you know, this is that um, the period of downtime before things ratchet up in 2024. Yeah, we actually won't be. I mean, I guess there's like regionals and stuff still, but the next YCS events aren't really happening until like, you know, late January, February, stuff like yeah. that. Uh, Fire King structure coming out this week. I'm actually going to be. It's lit, yeah. Yeah. Pun intended. Yeah, I did that. I'm actually going to be picking it up uh, from the shop probably like right after we finish recording this. Because uh, we've got an OTS shop, so they usually sell it on Wednesdays. Um, pretty yeah, excited. Sometimes they forget. Yeah, we're going to do a, a dual video with it as well. Mm-hmm. 3X structure. As of the time of recording this, still have not decided what, what deck it will face. Maybe well, Red Dragon. I thought Dragon. we decided it was going to be Red Maybe Dragon. Maybe Dark World. Okay, yeah, Red Dragon works. That means I have to like find a Red Dragon deck to use for the thumbnail because I don't have a physical. <laughs> like, you know when we do the thumbnails, like we do the little thing where we hold the. You threw away them boxes? Yeah. Wow. I know. Every Sometimes I literally, because like I have a 3X Red Dragon deck built, but I have to like buy another one for the thumbnail. Very inefficient around here. Tragic. Uh, but yeah, it's a, a pretty cool structure deck. I, I actually have heard that it's going to be like a fairly viable deck. In the, yeah, in the I've heard game. very good things uh, in the OCG, and there's a lot of hype for it in the TCG as well. It's the Age of Fire, guys. This That's the attribute that will be running our format for a minute. Yeah, there's, there's some fire propaganda going on right now. We've got Rescue Ace. We've got, like, Snake Eye stuff. Um, generic fire support. They They announced another Fire King card, actually, just, like, yesterday night. Yep. I actually have it uh, pulled up right here. Yeah, she's the Fire Queen, effectively, is kind of what I've all seen right, people call All right, let's not misgender her. it, all right? like I mean, it's definitely a girl. We don't know how it identifies, but... Uh, yeah, this is actually a Flame Queen Volcanics. I mean, that was one translation. I also seen it called the Fire King Consort Volcanics. Okay. Yeah, I know she has an effect that, you know, as usual, pops some cards, but she searches for um, Garunix, I believe. Yeah, the original High like, Avatar Garunix. Oh, interesting. Uh, it was a surprise, but I, it's, it's still being run, so it makes some sense. It fits in that mold of, uh, you know, release structure deck and then kind of have support for structure deck within the next couple of sets um, mm-hmm. so that you get into the, your little buying loop. Do you know where it came from, Bo? Uh, Came from? Yeah. Like, what do you mean? Well, 
It's actually from the manga. Oh, okay. From the OCG Structures manga that we don't get here in the United States. Yeah, tell us a bit about that, because I know you've told me about it loads. The uh, OCG, I've talked about it a bit on the pod before, but the OCG Structures manga is a manga volume that's only sold in Japan, where it updates pretty much whenever a new structure that comes out, and it's supposed to kind of advertise a new product. And so the main characters, they live in a kind of a world adjacent to ours. They do, they play Yu-Gi-Oh! just like we do. They play, they go to regionals. They try and make it to Nats, that sort of thing. Yeah. And they're constantly changing and upgrading their decks for the competitive format. And they're known to play struct, many different structure decks and meta decks. Like mm-hmm. it, it's, a, it's a very fun read because they're not just playing Dark Magician and Blue Eyes and pretending like it's relevant. I mean... <laughs> I think that's actually really cool and something that we could probably use, like, you know, stateside or whatever, a way to sort of uh, get people, I mean, people already, I guess, invested in structured decks in the sense Mm -hmm. that, like, you kind of know if you want it or don't. But I think that having, like, an ongoing manga or even maybe, like, a short YouTube series, something like that, where, like, you know, characters are actually playing at their local card shops and going, you know, to tournaments and playing decks that are often featured in structured decks, I don't know. It, just, it brings me back to the thing I always say about, like, the lore archetypes, like Albaz and them. Like, they, they all deserve, like, a little more. Like, a little more I do service. wonder if this, if such a thing would be within the purview of Konami's license to Yu-Gi-Oh! Could Probably they make not. a manga if it were using original characters designed by, like, Konami US and kept oh, in-house? Could I, they do it? That's a great question. Yeah, to, to contextualize what we're talking about, because people may not know, Konami... um. Contrary to many people's belief, uh, they don't own own Yu-Gi-Oh. They just have a license to it. And so they, you know, distribute the cards and, you know, handle basically just the card business part. But that's why they, there's so many things that like they kind of can't feasibly really do. Could have sworn my volume was off. Yeah. There's, so that's why there's a lot of things that they just kind of can't feasibly do with Yu-Gi-Oh. But, um, it would be cool to see like these sorts of mangas get brought over. I mean, I feel like because they align so closely with the TCG, I would think that that'd be a pretty good reason to want to bring them over, but mm. uh, apparently not. So, yeah. Um, either way, though, the Fire King structure is out. It's cool. I think that it's going to be another worthwhile pickup for people yeah. just looking to 3X, viable, capable thing. You know, you could play it at locals, do pretty well. I'm mad. I'm blanking on the reprints, but I was like, oh, i got to make a list of these reprints because there are some decent ones in the set. I know I think Imperm is in there. Yeah, Imperm is in there. I don't um, remember what else, though. There's a hand trap in there. Droll and Lockbird's in there. Yeah, they've been throwing Droll and stuff into these structure decks a lot lately. Get your set of Droll now, guys. It'll always be a useful card. Yeah, I'm, I'm, and I'm always going to be team reprint that stuff over mm. and over and over because hand traps have a, a way of doing that thing where, you know, you think they're reprinted and then they end up $10 again somehow. And you're like, wait, didn't I have 12 of this? Why do I have one? Yeah, suddenly <laughs> like, I'm out of them and I've traded them all and this and that. So, yeah, uh, I think Konami should just reprint the hand traps oh, every over and over and over and over and over again. Don't ever stop. So, Paul, um, so no sets are releasing, right? Um, not that I know of, no. Well, you were wrong. Oh, okay. Because we're getting our uh, Speed Duel Tournament Pack 7. <laughs> okay. Sorry, I, I, how could I forget? Yeah, I, okay, I guess that's not necessarily true. It comes out in April. But they announced it. Oh, okay. And uh, we know some of the uh, reprints in it. 
I didn't, you know, I almost forgot that Speed Duel did tournament packs. I've never, ever gotten I've never to seen open one. A, a Speed Duel never tournament seen one pack. I've never, yeah, I haven't even seen one in person. But the reprints in those sets are usually, like, highly sought after because they're usually rarity bumps for older cards that are useful in Time Wizard format. So what have they announced for this one? So this is number seven. It has Ultra Rare Foolish Burrow, which isn't, like, too crazy. We've had higher rarity copies of that. But also... Ultra Rare Thousand Eyes Restrict. It's okay. been a while since it's gotten a higher printing. But then there's Command Knight as a Super Rare. United We Stand as a Super Rare. Then Lava Golem, Santa Claus, and Cosmic Cyclone. It doesn't say what their rarities are, but I'm assuming they are also Super Rare. That sounds about right. It's kind of interesting. In You know how like in the TCG OTS packs, the kind of special rarity there would be Ultimate Rares. The only mm-hmm. way to really get Ultimate Rares uh now but in speed duel technically speaking an ultra rare is actually not commonly seen yeah because of how the sets work now every card's common and then there's a few that are like secret promo versions of commons um so yeah that's actually pretty cool i mean i guess it takes having a speed duel locals in order to yeah which uh i mean that's easier said than done as we know i I, I wish speed duels were popular in our area but i guess i'm part of the problem because i'm not trying to make it a thing in our area well it's a great segue actually into what's not news but rather something that i posted on reddit oh so yeah well you know this week um i posted on yeah because you saw it and didn't know it was me who posted it oh that reddit yeah that did happen yeah so i went on our Yu-Gi-Oh and uh our Yu-Gi-Oh speed duel and actually asked for some i just wanted to know people's opinions on the state of speed duel right now Mm -hmm. the reason why i did that is because this all comes very full circle. Uh, the reason why I did that is because I was looking at our new uh, question submissions form for the podcast. We do have that now. To Google it was inspired form. by the podcast. Uh, oh. Links in the description and show notes and stuff. But um, and somebody was asking like, "Hey, you know, are you ever gonna do like a video about Speed Duel? Just like the state of Speed Duel? Because the only one that we've done on the main like Team APS channel." was one like basically four years ago where we were, it's like literally called like was speed duel a mistake or like oh speed that was our video criticizing really speed duels yeah we were very critical of it in that video but also so much has changed with speed That's duel true. since then that video is obsolete guys watch it so we get um watch time on it but don't watch it because it's out, it's yeah out, it's and, out of date. and frankly yeah i think whatever it was that we said in that video i barely even remember my opinions on speed duel are far more positive i can say that much mm-hmm. um but so much has changed with just the way that speed duel is distributed um, I think when we were making that video, a big, I don't call it an issue, but like a thing with Speed Duel was they were releasing Speed Duel sets, if you remember. Yep. So literally. Uh, oh, pure pain. Yeah, they, they would release Speed Duel cards in like a set, like kind of similar to a mainline set. And we'd get one every like, you know, three, four months or whatever. And it was not great because they were, re- I mean, it's a it was reprint horrible. set of old, old cards. We were trying s- to pull Sphere Karibo. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to get at. Like you, it's still, you still had to like open a lot of packs in order to pull like a Sphere Karibo or like a Twister. And it's just these old cards being reprinted. And like, you know how Speed Duels is? You can only use Speed Duel cards yep. in Speed Duel. Like by Speed Duel cards, I mean like literally with the little marking on them. And so I remember thinking that wasn't really a great way to distribute stuff. And then you'd see those packs, maybe at Target and Walmart collecting dust. Yeah. And uh, it's everything's kind of changed since then because now we pretty much really only get Speed Duel products in the form of those like, box sets. Yep. But when I asked people about it, they were very positive about those box sets, as I am as well. Um, I love those boxes personally. I think the way that Fire. they just kind of they package everything. And it made me think. 
So I'm going to probably try to do like an updated state of speed duel video in the coming weeks uh, over on the main channel, Team APS. So, you know, be on the lookout for that. But the main thing I wanted to mention just here on the podcast uh, is that it's interesting because speed duel actually offers like so many things that people want or not like everyone, but a lot of people want to see in the mm-hmm. TCG and nobody really notices it because speed duel itself doesn't get a lot of attention. Cause uh, many people see it as a lesser way of playing Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah. They see like, it as like, you'd be nerf. taking some type of a, how you say L for playing speed duel. Yeah. It's like diet Yu-Gi-Oh or whatever. Why not just play Duel links? But the way that speed duel works now is like basically like a board game. Like it's its own cube and you yeah. can literally just kind of play it with a group of friends. But the thing that it does really well that the TCG kind of doesn't have is you can just literally, you're guaranteed to get every card in yep. the new expansion by buying the expansion. And I remember during the conversations, like back in like kind of the Duelist Nexus earlier this year when there was a lot of doom and gloom around products, people were like, you know, I hate like buying packs. It's Konami's evil, nasty scam. They just oh, want yeah, my money. Was an and, we were in, wasn't it? Yeah. And, um, you know, and these sets suck, and I'm not going to make my money back, and so, like, I don't want to buy packs, right? Well, it's interesting that during that period, too, people were saying, like, it would, I just want to be able to, like, buy a Duelist Nexus set, right? Mm-hmm. I just want to be able to, like, pay, I don't know, $30 or $40 or however much, and you just get one of every card in the set or something. So that way there's no chance to pull in cards, any of that. It's just you get everything. And obviously, Konami can't really do that with mainline sets because that's their business model is to then again sell packs. I'm not saying they can't can because like if they did that, like with how badly people want to SP Little Knight, it's like yeah, I think there would be some sales there. I think they could like people buy like if it costs forty, people. I think people would spend that one twenty. But listen, would Konami ever do that? Nope, never. <laughs> they gotta get you buying them packs. They'll never do it. So uh, anywho. Yeah, with Speed Duel, though, you actually can just get the cards. Like, you you buy Speed Duel Streets of Battle City or whatever, and, like, you get a guaranteed copy of, like, all 200 of those cards, mm. plus an alternate rarity of, like, six or eight of them, however many they do. It kind of reminds me of how um, board games do their expansions, where... You know, you'll buy the baseboard game, and you'll have your fun with it, but in a few months, they release their expansion set, which just comes with... Uh, Everything new to add to the base base pool. There's no chance. There's no variance. You just buy the expansion set, and usually it's expensive. Like those those board game expansion sets, they're not cheap. But once you buy them, you you're have, done. You're done. You add it to your game. Yeah. So um, just an interesting little tidbit on Speed Duel. I thought it was kind of worth mentioning. Well, speaking of our Yu-Gi-Oh, I actually had an Yu-Gi-Oh post myself. Oh, okay. Yeah. It, oh, uh, we're adding these to the podcast now. Well, I mean, because CBR and those other trashy like news sites, news sites want to use Reddit posts. Why don't I? Yeah, that's true. No. I mean, at least with our <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh, it's like a community like we're in. So, so uh, someone posted, this was Dark Magician uh, 999. They posted, uh, wish I had money. And it's a <laughs> screenshot of oh, wow. the Platinum Dark Magician. And I was surprised because I was like, wow, someone wants this. So I had to go check out this uh, this Reddit post. Oh, so there's a person who bought the Platinum Dark no, Magician? No, they actually just wish they had one. They they want one. They don't have the money for it, though. Um, sad, isn't it? And so, but, but like like you'd expect, there's a lot of criticism for the product in this uh, Reddit thread. Like, this is starchy with over 160 upvotes. They tried so hard to market this, and there's just no demand. Wouldn't be surprised to see a big sale on this. Konami just nostalgia baiting. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we talked about in the pod before, but with these Platinum Blue Eyes, Platinum Dark Magician, um, they're just kind of 
using nostalgia to get you to spend as much as humanly possible. Listen, I've got some thoughts on the Platinum Dark Magician. Well, and, and then Giant uh, Chiron or Chiron 1200 says, and this is over 230 upvotes, wouldn't buy this even if I had the money, TBH. Yeah, so we've talked about the Platinum Dark Magician. A few times A few now. times. Um, I, I think I mentioned before, but I'll mention again. We actually got to have a slightly early look at the product when we were at Yu-Gi-Oh! Worlds in Japan. Oh, we can talk about that? Yeah, I mean, oh, we've okay. already released the, oh, okay. the little oh, yeah. promo did, video thing. We, we did a little YouTube short or whatever, like announcing it and all that stuff. DZ and some others, Tom Box did when mm-hmm. we were at, at Worlds. Yeah, name yeah. drop. Name so, drop. So, we, yeah, so we got to see uh, we got to see it, you know, a few weeks early. And uh, this is, I mean, I don't know that I should necessarily say this, but I will. <laughs> when we first saw that Platinum Dark Magician, um, they were telling us the price. And they were like, you know, here's what it's going to cost and like when it's going to release. And I remember telling the Konami rep or whatever who was talking about it at the time. I was like, listen. This is cool and all. That's a crazy price. And I remember I said that like to their face because and I'm not saying like that the product was shit or that like, you know, it's worthless and crap. I was saying that that price is like you guys know that that's a rough one. That's going to be a hard sell. And, you know, I I get that there is a person out there that this is for. Yeah, there's, there's, like, there's, there's probably two. There's probably two maybe on the planet. I don't know. Yeah, you know. But I really do think that that product came at a bad time, and it wasn't a, a good value prop. And it's weirdly more expensive than the Blue Eyes was, despite Blue Eyes obviously being the It should have been a Dark Yu-Gi-Oh Magician card. Girl. That would have helped, probably. Like that dark Magician Girl would have moved units. I also have... Like, Uncensored. I also have a bit of a gripe about, like, you know, the, have you seen, like, the pictures of that Platinum, like card they use black text for the card name mm-hmm. and that always looks so cheap to me like it, it doesn't sell I them mean, platinum it's a matter i think it's a matter of opinion really yeah that's uh, objective that's true they, i think ultimately they just wanted you to read the name yeah i guess it's true <laughs> you gotta at least know what you bought it's like what is it <laughs> yeah i i think that they've probably learned the hard way not to do another one of those Again, like, because they're they're doing giveaways for it on social media. I mean, they're still trying to move the things. Yeah, like, they're, they're still trying to get just, rid of them. Um, and they're still on sale, apparently. I, I think so. they might do it again, but I think if they did, it would be like a made-to-order kind of deal. They'll take pre-orders and then... Yeah, I uh, was... Because I it, thought that's what they were going to do with this. You no, know, if they're still selling it, it sounds like they got units to move. Yeah, well, because they said they were going to do like a 1,000 per... Territories, like it's a thousand. It's horrific. US, it sounds like they ain't even move a thousand. Yeah, I don't even. I wonder if they, I. I would love to know how many they've moved. <laughs> I would love to hear like how many people have bought because uh, <laughs> I saw like MBT or somebody tweeted that like you know. So the Konami Yu-Gi-Oh accounts are always tweeting about these dark magicians, like mm-hmm. buy one, buy one, and people will always clown on them on Twitter and stuff for it. Uh, I saw MBT or somebody tweeted about like how somebody came into one of those high end like groups or something those high end like buy sell trade Yu Gi Oh groups where mm-hmm. they sell like giant cards and old expensive stuff and they like had I guess a set of them or a few of them and they're trying to sell them and they got clowned and chased out of the group <laughs> or something like that because like it was just it was seen as such a joke to have wasted the money on this Platinum Dark Magician and expect to be able to flip it to anybody that for any insane. amount of profit. <laughs> and I think that really says a lot about, like, just the perceived value of this thing. Because, I mean, like, it's it's not... People don't want this. No, they don't. I mean, it... Oh, they really don't. 
You know what? But I'll give I'll get I'll shoot some bail, Paul. Okay. This is what we're gonna do, guys. So on I'm social sure media, tag the Team APS Twitter account if you have a copy of the Platinum, Platinum Dark, Dark Magician. Magician. Oh, okay. I if fifteen people, if fifteen I, different ten. I don't even think we'll get 10. We have an entire country. I mean, world to look at here. I guess that's true. If 15 people will post that they bought it and have a picture and evidence that it is yeah. theirs and tag, in their tag hands. Tag us on Twitter. Paul will send them their money back. No. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. Uh, about that part. Yeah, but I don't know. I, I don't know anybody like in my personal circle who like. I mean, do you know that many rich people? Like That's true, but still. Because like, like, that's. That's Jesus. one heck of a disposable income move. You have to have a very like a very well paying job to just drop it like it's that. It's crazy because like you would just buy something else. There's a lot of things you could buy instead of there's, that. Like, I mean, there's better you. I would things. assume you have everything else. You know, like if you're buying a platinum dark magician, I I'm going to assume that you have already bought the rest of life. Like everything else in life yeah, you can buy at that very, price point is gone. This is just money I'm burning so, a hole in your pocket. You better have two cars. Because that's a down payment. Well, probably a three. I, don't know. I mean, <laughs> buying this thing casually. Well, well, it's not a down payment. But still, I expect you to have two cars and a house and a half. Just our Yu-Gi-Oh, though. Just yeah. Like, carrying this pod. I will say I saw, I don't have like, the post pulled up. But I saw a kind of sad post, like a Yu-Gi-Oh post a few weeks ago. Where it was just somebody lamenting the fact that they couldn't afford like the best cards. Oh, yeah. Oh, I think I saw Yeah, I think I told too. you about it. Like, it was just some, some guy who was like, yeah, you know. Like, I played Trap Tricks, you know, kind of a yep, budget deck. Yeah, I did see Yeah, those. and they were just talking about how, like, they always lose to Unchained and all these other good meta decks, and they just they can't stop all their plays. They always fight through all their interruptions. And then, like, they beat them with, like, SP Little Knight, and they wish that they had it, but they don't because it's 100 bucks. It was kind of, like, a sad, like... And I get it, like, this is not an uncommon sentiment. But it was just, I guess, seeing someone just kind of just saying it, just laying it bare, you know? Like, this yeah. is... Capitalism has winners and losers, and sadly, a lot of us are losing. Um, we are not winning that battle. Look, I'm right there with you. I don't have a little night. Uh, yeah, I don't. Uh, <laughs> you got your uh, proxy uh, warning. I did get my pro- my proxy wanted uh, Seeker of the Sinful Spoils in. Uh, yeah, guys, so I gave in. Um, I didn't. Well, I didn't give in. I didn't let capitalism beat me because I, I could have bought my $70 wanteds because I did want to play Snake Eyes. Mm-hmm. And I didn't do that. Instead, I spent $14 and I got a set of proxies that I specifically had made to look not like the original. Because you can get them hollow. You can get them to look like the ultra rare copy. I got mine as commons so that no one can claim that I was trying to trick them if I'm playing like a friendly game. Because I don't play in tournament. Uh, I will. I don't. I can't even imagine the next time I'll play in like a YCS or anything. So. I got I got proxies, you know. I Just want to, to be able to play the deck. The deck. Like, yeah. I think uh, there's a whole thing to be said. Really, I might make a video about this. Just that, like I think people should just use proxies more. Like you know, it's crazy in Magic the Gathering and like. Some other games too. Oh, apparently. they'd be proxied out. Yeah, people proxy a they lot. They proxy hard. They proxy pretty hard, and like it, it's seen as there, there's no controversy around like proxying and friendlies it and just, stuff. It is normal. Like, remember just, when the professor you know. threw the black lotuses at us? Yeah, he had so many. He's but, like, "Hey, you want a black lotus? Yeah. yeah, you want another one? Yeah, it's but that's like that's their community. They they really do. Um, they they proxy and like it's normal and. 
You know, and in some countries, proxying in Yu-Gi-Oh actually is more normal. I bet in you uh, know, like Brazil, I know they always they don't get products. Yeah, I've seen people in the Philippines they proxy as well because in the United States we're very affluent, we're very uh, everyone lucky. can like buy things because product that, is just yeah. here. Even when we have a product shortage, it's still mo- more than what many places have. And but in many countries, they just proxy their Yu-Gi-Oh cards because getting like legit ones is difficult. Yeah, I don't blame them. I know um, I've been told by uh, several fans like from Brazil about the product situation there. Where products release late, or they're just understocked, or quality controls worse, and it really sucks. But it does, to me, justify just like fucking proxy that shit. Just especially proxy like if you're man. particularly if you are like only playing with your friends. Obviously, yeah. like, proxies are not legal in you know official sanctioned tournaments. Do not go so to a regional that. and don't say Team APS yeah. told me. But just like, but I do think like for play testing or for fun or the kitchen mm-hmm. table or whatever, you know. A proxy is something that maybe a Yu-Gi-Oh player should should do a little more. Because you, know, you can play them on like those simulators, but there's just something different about playing in person. Well, speaking of simulators, Master got a oh uh, here a we go, day. guys. He can't go one pod. Well, I mean, it's a Yu-Gi-Oh thing. I gotta say something about it. <laughs> Master Duel got its big fat update uh, this past week, and there is a lot. There's only one thing of note. Yeah, the well, there's a, there's a lot of little things, but just one. Okay, what's the one thing? The new wallpaper. Yeah, there's, there's new wallpapers. Uh, Alec likes the new frontier. Mm-hmm. The new, uh, the branded artwork of Ecclesia and Albaz flying off on their new adventure while Kit waves at them. Yeah, they the conclusion so of that much. story. They use that because Branded got its last bit of support. Um, oh yeah, y'all uh, got Dispater now. Yeah, Dispater. Um, Albion, like the Sanctifier Dragon or whatever, and also um, Despian Lula with Lilith oh. guiding Quim. All those cards. Oh, did you, what about the trap? Um, which one? That nasty uh, branded trap branded that had expulsion? to get banned. I think, I think that's banned or maybe in Master didn't bring Duel it too? in. Yeah, it's not in Master Duel. Oh, know, okay, so. all right. Um, they might have either banned it or they haven't brought it over, but so they might have excluded that. But yeah, they've otherwise I think just finished the branded line of stuff in Master Duel. They also introduced Menadium. Okay. Oh yeah, or, I did. I um, saw that. I saw Menadium. I don't know which way you pronounce. Menadium. Menadium. I think it's supposed to be based off like terrarium in a sense. So yeah. Menadium. So I know Menarium. they're in in Japan or well, I remember the early translated word was like mana dome. Yeah, the mana dome. They're like globes. Yeah, the glo- um, globes. But yeah, so that's in uh, Master Duel now. Have not actually faced any. Those would make uh, sick ornaments, wouldn't they? Hey, someone on Etsy, get on that. Or Konami, well, Konami won't. Yeah, someone in Etsy do it. Yeah, I mean, they'll have to do, do it. Do right? Konami's job for them. <laughs> What's new? Um, yeah, so Menadium um, is in there. And also Gate Guardian, which I played a little bit on a live stream last night. As the time Ooh, was you were taking this. names. Surprisingly? Okay, so the goal was to see if we could like win a game in Diamond Rank. You weren't playing casuals? No, I was playing like in diamond rank with Gate Guardian. Big uh, mistake. Why would you put yourself through yeah, that? Yeah, big mistake. And uh, so we were playing like on stream and stuff, and we got four wins and four losses. So we actually had a 50% win rate. Now, three of our four wins were people randomly quitting for no reason. <laughs> Sometimes people just quit after they saw like the first card. Like I'd play a, like, a Gate Guardian card and they would quit. Wow. Or they were like, I'm not doing this. Or like they'd see like a Cash Dira card and they'd quit, which is a little more understandable. But we were using Cash Dira in the deck because like they, oh, that's why they all quit. Yeah, probably. Well, because we, 
There's a reason though. Cash to your birth lets you summon dead gate guardian pieces in your hands and you can summon like level seven monsters. Oh, yeah. It's kind of cool. But anyways, so yeah, I played it and I ended up getting one legitimate win against a guy playing the new branded support. And his turns took so long. Because like with the new stuff, they just there's so much that deck does. Like it already did a lot, but like it just goes and goes and goes and goes and then floats and floats and the end phase it floats. And it's like, Jesus Christ. So somehow we won because some guy didn't read Sangha of the Thunder. So for those of you guys listening, you maybe don't know what Sangha of the Thunder does. Sangha of the Thunder is one of the uh, three original Gate Guardian cards. It's not a oh, retrain. Oh, it's those cool. It's the old bricks you got to run in the deck. Okay. Yeah. Um, the Gate Guardian deck is all about like getting Sangha, Suijin, and Kazijin into your spell and trap zone. Just It just places them there. It can search them and recycle them and stuff. And you contact views with them from there to make their retrain kind of combination contact fusion things. Okay. It's a neat deck. It's piss. It's, it's really <laughs> not very good. So there are some weird, terrible restrictions on these cards. They are just... It's one of those examples of like, when Konami wants an archetype to be good, you get branded. When they want to be bad, you get this. So anyways, <laughs> the original Gate Guardian cards are level 7 bricky monsters without great stats. You attribute like two things to summon them. Fine. And their effect is that um, when they're battling, they can make the attack of the monster that's attacking them be zero. Which is like what the Paradox Brothers did to Yugi and Joey. Right. There's a catch. The catch is that they can only do this when the opponent is attacking them. When an opponent's monster attacks one of those pieces, then they can use their effect to make the opponent's monsters attack okay, zero. So then the opponent they, they so virtually opponent, can't be destroyed by battle then. Well, no, I mean your, your opponent would just never attack one. Yeah. There's no reason to ever do it. This some guy did it. Some guy just attacked my like Sangha of the Thunder. He was at twenty three hundred life points or whatever. He attacked my Sangha of the Thunder, and I used its effect and damage calculation. And his like Borload uh, furious dragon, oh, no. which could have popped the Sangha earlier in the turn, oh, no. got destroyed and he lost. This is also after like the same thing happening twice earlier in the game with like different pieces where he like attacked a defense mission when I made his attack zero and such. You know, like he just wasn't paying attention. Well, no, I mean it happened three times. He wasn't reading. Like, <laughs> but I mean, like he'd seen, you know. So anyway, yeah, we actually eked out a win. It was pretty fun. Maybe they were running out of time. They didn't, they didn't have time to think anymore. Just go, go, go. Right? That's possible. Yeah, that's possible. <laughs> but uh, we take those. So. Yeah, oh, facts, facts. Like, so it was fun, and that's what's basically in Master Duel. There's also a few, um, you know, they added the Egyptian God cards recently as well with mm-hmm. the alternate animations, but we kind of already talked about that. Um, Master Duel still hasn't added the feature that I want. Which is just music randomizer. Oh, yeah. So you're not just locked into your opponent's fields and music choice. Yeah, and most of the fields play the same, like, two, three themes, and you hear them all the time. I think it's just Tragic. rotate the themes. It's all I ask, Master Duel. I don't want Maxi Band, okay? Just give me my cusp. Like, let me either pick the theme I hear or just randomize it completely for all dual fields. Good luck. Yeah, I know. They can't <laughs> monetize that feature, so they'll probably never add it. Yeah, maybe they, I mean, they could monetize it. Throw like, it behind a dual pass like, or something. Buck like, like, 99 a month. You want to be able to change your music? Got to get the music battle pass. I'd pay. I have a funny story about that, but I can't talk about it. Ah. So, um, yeah, but I'm sure that if they can find a way to monetize it, that would be their objective. I just want to be able to hear Dual Theme 2 Dos. outside of just the Ancient Gear field. If you know, you know. It is an old field. 
Anyways, okay, I think that's pretty much it for um, Matt. Oh, okay, one last quick thing about them. They added to their ban list. So, you know how last week we talked about the new ban list? Yeah. They also added a few things. They brought Zodiac Ratpeer to one. Oh. Put Zodiac Dryden all the way to three. And Zodiac Barrage, I think, also at three. Which is pretty crazy. Oh, yeah, I'm going back to Mastodon. Yeah. yeah, I know you're a bit of a Zodiac fan. It's pretty crazy. I, well, specifically, I'm a fan of Zodiac Dryden's tail. Okay. I, I like Zodiac Dryden's tail. And also pretty excitingly, they put Tidal uh, and Tempest, or Tidal and Redox, two of the Dragon Rulers, to one. Oh, we're going back in time. Well, so they'd already put Blaster back, and That's three. And Tempest went to deck two. Oh, yeah. And so, yeah, so they're all back now. Oh, we're going back in time, y'all. And I, I think there are a lot of people, this is kind of exciting, and for some people, I guess it's scary, because there's, there's a bit of fear and apprehension that these Dragon Rulers will, you know, take us back to... A dark time period from 2013. You mean a lit time. Um, but I think the honest truth is that these Dragon Rulers are barely going to see any play. And they're very dated and they're just not worth running over. I disagree. And I'm going to go in Macedo and prove you wrong. Okay. Try to get the Diamond Rank playing some Dragon Ruler deck. I will. I will. Yeah. So um, those are supposed to be getting added in. Um I don't... Will they make a, a difference? Personally, Huge. I don't... Make a dent in this game. Personally, I don't see it really happening, but I do think that Zodiac will be pretty impactful. So. I'm definitely playing Zoo, too. So that would be All nice. for Dryden's Tale. I think that's actually all it for the, the Master Duel side of things. So, um, I do have this article about the big four or five of TCGs. Oh, Okay. Moving to so, our general TCG news. Yes. So, um, earlier this year, we were looking at the big three of card games. That was uh, Magic, Magic, Pokemon, Pokemon. Yu-Gi-Oh! That was a big three. But this year has seen a shift in card game sales where the One Piece TCG and Lorcana have, have pretty well established themselves as the four and five of the trading card game sphere mm -hmm. pretty much muscling out every other card game so if your game is it within these five you're losing it is it's how it's going and i look yeah. I, I wanted digimon to be there but uh, we, it's we, a we zero couldn't sum make it. game we couldn't make it but um if so when you lose looking at uh product sales for november you know what the top selling tcg product of all Where does of November, this come from? Was. what side is this? Is it that one side? ICV2. ICV, yeah, okay, yeah. That's where I usually see these sorts of articles. So, what, what do you think one? it was? What do you think it was? Take a wild guess. Is this for November? Yes. I'm just going to guess One Piece. Nope. Oh, okay, what was it? Yu Gi Oh! Rarity Collection. Oh, yeah, that makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, Yu Gi Oh! Rarity. I, I think that, I will say, I think that they get this data from TCG Player. Is yeah, so there's a site limitation. There's like a bit of a, a it's, leaning. It's Western focused. Yeah, But yada, still, yada. That, that makes perfect sense. I totally forgot. Rarity Collection is like the thing. So. Yeah, it was the hottest selling um, product. But November saw sales for all five of, well, the big five of card gaming right now. Uh, you We saw, we see Yu Gi Oh's. Um, let me, I'm trying to pull up the products. It was the Rarity Collection for Yu Gi Oh. Then it was... I know Pokemon got Paradox Rift. Paradox Rift for Pokemon. The Ixalan set, I forget the full name of it, for Magic. Yeah. Then One Piece... One Piece was... Yeah, it looks like it was still the One Piece... Um, What's it called? Yeah, they, they just got... Like, Kingdoms I think They're of, set five, but that's like been like this past week or something, so... Anyway, the big five were all selling big numbers last month, and Yu-Gi-Oh! was on top for once. I think Lorcana was getting set two. Yeah, set two so. for Lorcana, which was huge for Lorcana because 
the game was prohibitively expensive to get into. It was just hard to get cards. But yeah. uh, Flood Rise of the Floodborne, I think the name of the set is it. It released, and they also re-released the first set's cards as well. So. Uh, Lorcana's now playable for everyone, not just the uh, hardcore uh, spenders. Right, yeah. Well, it's interesting. I mean, I think that November in general seemed like it was just an, a good month for card gaming, like, releases. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also a good, like, lead into December where, you know, a lot of these could make for good gifts. True. I've said for a bit now, Rarity Collection makes a great gift for a Yu-Gi-Oh player. Yep. I'd say the worst thing about it is probably they already have it. Yeah, but by now, like a lot of Yu-Gi-Oh players right. have their rarity collections. But if you have a fledgling Yu-Gi-Oh player who's trying to get back into the game, then buy them a Speed Duel product. Rarity no. collection, rarity collection will is a, really a help good, them get up to speed. Yeah, a good way to get up to speed. Although I will argue that Speed Duel products could be a good, a better jumping on point for like younger people. Mm. But that's a separate conversation. And a a new card game kind of actually made its appearance on the uh, the top. Sales list. It's a newer game. Uh, it's called Sorcery. The Halo card game? Oh. Never. Okay. Sorcery? Yeah, it's called Sorcery. I actually saw someone at Locals playing it uh, earlier in the month. I have not heard of this. Or have I? No, I, I doubt it. It's okay. a very unique kind of card game. Sorcery mixes a TCG with... What would that? What would you call it? A turn-based strategy game okay. where you move where you move your units on a board to position them, and you battle in different quadrants. I think I did here. It's cer- it's certainly an interesting card game. I just don't care for the artwork. Yeah, I think I did hear about this. I feel like we maybe mentioned it in a podcast episode. We might before. have just vaguely. I know we we talk about like a lot of the more obscure card games just come up in these lists and stuff. The. Uh, I'm curious to see what sorcery does in the long term. I don't think I'll be getting into sorcery. There just there's a lot of moving parts, almost literally, with this game. And yeah, uh, yeah. But guys, let us was, know was, what you think of sorcery if you played it. Yeah, it's hard for me to get into really many card games because I'm just such a I'm a Yu-Gi-Oh pilled or whatever. But like, he's a Yu-Gi head. When it comes to like card games that have extra pieces, you have to keep up with. I'm just I'm out. I I, I don't want like extra game boards and pieces and. Well, the pieces are the cards, but you literally like, oh, the move cards them move. around. And oh, maybe I could play that. You tuck them underneath each other. Some go on top of each other. That's Yu-Gi-Oh. It's a lot. It's Yu-Gi-Oh, baby. We just exist summon. That's true, but you... I know. Yeah. No, that, you know, that is true. I hadn't thought about you it. Play like Valence. That. Move them around. Oh, man. That's why game. I don't play Valence. Yeah. <laughs> um, Vanquish Soul, they're bouncing back and forth to your hand. To That's true. We, move, we, we slide cards around all the time on Yu-Gi-Oh. Yu-Gi-Oh is a little bit of everything. Yeah, okay. Um... Interesting, though. I mean, like, I, I think that it's just a good month for card games, then. Mm. Sounds nice. I've got a story, then. Um, this one's a pretty big uh, AI story. AI? Yeah. So, I know that we actually got a funny comment. Somebody, like, I think last week was just like, why are y'all talking about Marvel for 40 minutes? Talk about AI again. So, uh, <laughs> It's convenient that you mentioned that because Google just introduced uh, Gemini. Oh, no. Our largest and most capable AI Before you model. say any more, I just want everyone to know, this com- this combines the two things I hate most in the world, AI and astrology. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited about this product because I'm a Gemini. And what I'm can leaving. I say? Guys, you I'm know? leaving. Guy, I'm, you know what? No, we're not doing it. Yeah, so here's the, this is the insight into, 
This is their blog post. Introducing Gemini, our uh, largest, most capable AI model. So basically, this is Google's new... Uh, come on, don't be like that. Uh, this is basically You know Google's, what you did. This is Google's new AI uh, project to combat chat GBT, or like GBT4, which is like kind of the new enhanced super version Smarter of... Smarter AI. Yeah. Okay. Smarter, faster, stronger, all that stuff. Yeah, so... Basically, the thing with GBT4, to my understanding, I don't really follow these AI stories all that closely because I, yeah. But um, it was supposed to be like able to do re like reasoning and like math and stuff like with actual images. One of the cool features of like GBT4 is like you could show oh. it an image and it could be like, here's what I see in this image. Like I'll describe this image for you. Because you know, up to now, like most people think of like chat GBT3 or 3.5 or whatever, where it's just like, you just talk to it. Like you, you know, yeah, you enter a text kind of prompt. Enter your prompt and it spits but out something. But with um, GBT4, you could like, you know, have it actually analyze like a picture and like tell you what's in it, stuff like that. Hmm. Along with other more complex calculations. Well, anyways, Gemini is supposed to be a similar thing for Google that's more accurate, they claim, in general tasks, reasoning, math, and code. It can generate Python code. Um, they released this video that I, it's a kind of a longer video of where, like, basically, so imagine, like, you know, you set a piece of paper down. So you connect, like, this, it can read video, basically, is the feature. Okay. And so you, like, set a piece of paper down, and it's like, oh, I see you've put down a piece of paper. And then you grab a marker and, you just, and the guy starts drawing on it. And it's like, oh, it looks like you're drawing uh, like a curved line. Oh, okay, now it looks like it's a bird. And this and oh, that. And it, it, it like would kill that Pictionary. Boy, yeah. my family loves playing Pictionary. We got to bring the AI in. So it. That's my partner. <laughs> so it describes like what you know it sees in video in real time. And um, there's three different versions of it, three different sizes. There's Gemini Nano, which is um, our most efficient model for on-device tasks. This is going to be used mostly in mobile phones and things like Makes that. Makes sense. Um, there's Gemini Pro, our best model for scaling across a wide range of tasks. And finally, Gemini Ultra, which is our largest and most capable model for highly complex tasks. So I will say this. you know, I'm the biggest AI hater in the world. I don't mind AI when it's used as a tool like this. I don't love it being called Gemini because I hate astrology, but but I'm a Gemini and I hate you. But um, <laughs> the I don't mind it being used as a tool for like your work, for your homework, for whatever. Like AI is a tool I have no problem with. It's when we start forming parasocial relationships with it. That's where my problem lies. Yeah, you get to talk to the AI. I also don't care too much for AI art, but... I hate AI art. I, I, okay, this is like a small tangent. On my Instagram, like, recommended or page or whatever, Explore tab, I think is what it's called, I always see these posts where it'll be like, you know, like black superheroes or something, right? And so it'll be like a, like a, a black, you know... Like a black version of Superman or a black um, version of Chun-Li from Street Fighter or whatever, right? And I guess it thinks like that's something that I would like. And it looks like it'll, it'll be like a kind of cool looking image that catches your eye. And then you look at it and I get so angry because I'm like, oh, this is fucking AI art. Of course it is. And like I read the comments and there's always people under these posts and they'll be like, oh my God, you did such a good job on this or like do one like this or whatever. 
And it's like, do you people not realize like it's AI generated? But then I'm like, well, of course they don't realize it. It's believable enough to fool the average person. And the only like, disclosure they have is that like it's like a small hashtag at the end, hashtag AI yeah, or something. It got, it got you too. At some point, you must yeah, have liked the thing some is, AI. At some art. point, it got me. Yeah. I don't like, know. I, I thought I didn't like any of it. I mean, if it's, it's in your Explore page, they read something about you. Well, anyways, so. All my Explore page shows is boxing and twerking. Well, uh,. Yeah, so Gemini can do advanced coding. It can explain reasoning in math and physics. It's supposed to be a really big thing. Um, They'll write code for you. And uh, Gemini Pro is going to be available in... Okay, starting today, Bard. I don't know if you... That's a Google Bard. I'm yeah, familiar. Google Bard. We'll use a fine-tuned version of Gemini Pro for advanced reasoning, planning, understanding, and more. This is the biggest upgrade, upgrade to Bard since it launched. It will be available in English in more than 170 countries and territories. We plan to expand different modalities and support new languages and locations in the near future. We're also bringing Gemini to Pixel. So if you have a Pixel 8 Pro phone, uh, it's the first smartphone engineered to run Gemini Nano, which is providing new features like Summarize in the Recorder app mm-hmm. um, and rolling out in Smart Reply in Gboard, starting with WhatsApp and coming to more messaging apps next year. Alongside other things like search, ads, Chrome, Duet AI. So, yeah, and then Gemini Ultra is going to be coming to select customers, developers, partners, and uh, other experts next year. And that's where I believe uh, AI belongs, in the hands of experts. I I prefer AI being used by people who actually have the uh, ability to make use of all its higher functions, rather than putting it in the hand of the common man, where we just misuse and abuse stuff. I would agree, and I mostly do, except, like, there's also that, like, who is an expert? I mean, look, they'll, they're going to misuse and abuse it, too, but I'd rather them do it than we do it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, so, I don't know, because that's my thing, is, it's like, I don't know who is an expert. Like, a lot of these things are programmed to be, like, they're written to be kind of useful for, like, conversational things or teaching or whatever. So, I mean, we're all going to be using it to some degree, and I don't know that anyone's, like, necessarily more or less qualified to use the AI? I, I would think, like, uh, some level of software engineer, computer scientist would be an expert. I saw that there's a new YouTube feature coming with AI. I don't have, like, a story on this, but just, like, in general, where, like, you can talk to a chatbot underneath the video about, like, the contents of the video. And I think that they're going to be starting this for, like, explain, like explanatory kind of educational videos and stuff. Oh. Where it's like if you make a video about like what is ADHD or something, and then like the chat bot, which has like watched and analyzed the video as well, it can like better explain things that were mentioned or found in the video. So I feel like that can maybe be handy, although it- I mean I guess that can be fine. It reminds me of that Amazon feature where the uh, the, the AI synthesizes the reviews of a product and it gives you a blurb of how people feel about a given product. Yeah, I saw that too. Um, how do you feel about that? Like, kind of helping convenience with shopping. I, I don't know if AI helps you capitalism. I don't think it's done well. I don't. I mean, I don't. He's do on the Amazon. I don't think better. it's done very well. I mean, because for instance, uh, I saw this product and it had mixed reviews. And boy, did the AI synthesize a mixed review. It said people find this chair. People like this chair's appearance. It is uncomfortable and small. Like, yeah. huh? <laughs> Listen, I, I like that you ignored my bit about capitalism. I'm telling you, that's like it, it's that's such a crazy use. It's just this product that's sort of meant to synthesize reviews. Because to me, that that's just like telling people like just buy more. 
The I mean, it, well, it's not telling them. I to guess buy it'll more. tell you negative it's reviews. It's helping them to buy more, enabling you yeah. to more quickly and easily make your buying decision. Just to like smooth yeah. out that transition between you seeing something and you buying yeah. something. I, I guess in a way, like you're saving time, so you can spend more like, money on the next thing. I mean, that's the idea. The lo- they I'm know sorry, I'm a cynic, the longer it takes for you to make a purchase, the more likely you are to not make it. So. That's why I remember when they had the whole one click feature because they still have the one click feature yeah, on Amazon. But I burned money so fast when I had that yeah, enabled. I had to feature. turn one click off. <laughs> it was way too easy. So yeah, I mean this is Google. This is Google Gemini. It's it's out. Yeah. It's uh, going to be expanding, coming soon to a phone like, or browser near you. I don't mind uh, Gemini that much, surprisingly. But I do have an AI story that I do mind. Okay, let's hear yours. Yeah, are you familiar with Disco? Just like music, like a disco ball or uh, the disco? More Panic m- at the Disco? More AI based. So, you remember the paintings in Harry Potter? Oh, yeah. Oh, dear. Here we go. So, yeah. So, disco, disentangled control for referring human dance generation in real world. It's this. Uh, oh, I thought that was an acronym, but and I was trying to like follow it in my head as like yeah, an acronym. Dis as in disentangled and co as in control. Disentangled control. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I have to get to the bottom of this one. So essentially, what this AI can do is it can take a picture and then it can make the picture move. The example they're using are replicating TikTok dances. So you can take an, your, an influencer's photo or your photo and it will. It has a it has the ability to map out the dance moves of a TikTok dance, and then it makes the, the picture, picture do, do the dance. Terrifying. Yeah. Now I have found that there is a bit of misinformation with the way that disco is being um, shown online. They the way it's shown online, and I'm sure, I'm sure people have seen these uh, posts. It will show like a picture of this influencer girl. And then it'll show these kind of like wire mapping of the dance. Then it shows her doing the dance. Mm-hmm. But the thing is that the video of her doing a dance actually already exists. Um, they, oh. Those what they're showing online is a theoretical thing that the program does, not that it's yeah. actually succeeded in doing it. But it terrifies me that this is something they are trying to do. That they're that seems possible at least to the point where they're promoting it. We're able to take an image, a static point in time, and make it move and do things. It does on the surface. It sounds fine, like oh, a moving picture. I can like, I can kind of, I can see like George Washington like shake someone's hand or do a dance. Yeah, but it also means that any that potentially any image online, someone could make it do whatever they want. Yeah, I mean, I guess in a way, it's not a lot different than deep fakes that already kind of exist. Yeah, that's true. So maybe this isn't. I mean, I guess it's a slightly new application of that because, like, deep fakes are kind of more about. Like it, it's well, yeah, I guess it, it's kind of like a deep fake kind of video. Yeah, thing. but I don't. But I don't care for it. Is the perversion of a photo. Yeah, like it's a taking like kind of what was a like a moment in mm-hmm. time and like kind of turning it. Yeah, because like mm-hmm. we already do that a bit with like photoshopping and and photo editing. We can we can pervert a photo pretty easily nowadays, but you can actually make at least the idea here is you can make content out yeah, of a picture, out of, picture. Mm-hmm. out of even someone else's picture. 
So it can make my YouTube videos for me, is what you're telling I mean, me. if you want to dance. I mean, I don't know how well. Yeah. But again, if you use enough technology, they could make you move. Then they could use deep fake voice technology yeah. to replicate your voice. And I'll ask like ChatGPT to write my script. And can, then yeah, the AI can just make content so, out of a picture of you. So, yikes. So, <laughs> uh, a few thoughts on this. Do you know, like, Pixel, like Google Pixel phones, I saw, like, this year, there's, like, some new feature where it can... I forget the name of the feature, but basically, like, let's say, like, we took a little group picture, us mm-hmm. and some friends. And in the picture, like, you know, someone's looking away or blinking or not smiling. Or oh, whatever. okay. And it has a thing where, like, it'll, like, fix their face. Yeah, if you're doing this, it goes. Yeah, it'll kind of, like, like snap you into, you know. It'll even now, turn your head. Now, what it's claiming that it does is basically, like, it uh, is, like, rapidly shooting mini pictures, like, kind of just before and just after you press the shutter button or whatever uh and it's like replacing it with one of the better frames where you were smiling but i think there's supposed to be like some generative component to it probably and so that's like already kind of creepy where it's like oh here's a question i had for you what you got so if that was to happen like you and your family take a a family photo at christmas and like it you know you weren't smiling or whatever in the picture your mom wasn't smiling or something and so like it kind of just like kind of fixed her smile with, with what was uh well now here's the thing listen hear me out it like fixed one some person in the photo with an image of them smiling that they had smiled like a second before and it was using that do you consider that picture to be like a real picture because it was basically no. yeah okay yeah, um so, but it depends on your purpose of the picture mm-hmm. if this if i'm sh- taking shots for like a this is for like a job for a business for a promotional thing mm-hmm. i then i don't need the picture to be a true representation of the moment it i have no emotional attachment to it i don't care mm-hmm. but let, if i'm on like a family vacation and we're just out and we're taking a group picture at let's say universal studios in front of the big globe thing yeah if i take that picture and two people are looking away one person sneezing and someone's eye is closed i actually want that picture that's the one I want. I don't want the AI version where it fixes everyone <laughs> and puts them in the place for me because that's not what was happening. That's not the actual moment. I don't want the I don't want a clean AI version of what my vacation was like. I want a snapshot of that time of what it actually was. Here's an interesting thought. So uh, what do you think the average person wants? It. I think it, it once again depends on their purposes, but I think the average like for, person for a person on vacation or like holiday group, are they an active event, social media user? You interpret it as you will. Cause a lot of people love posting stuff to social media. And as mm-hmm. we know, you always want to show your best possible. So yeah, they, they definitely so would they'll this. like that sort of thing for their social <laughs> media. But then I think that takes a, just another bit of like realism yeah. from those platforms. Well, I was going to say, I think that the feature itself seems like something that, Actually, like, my mom or dad would love. Just because, like, you know, my mom's pretty into, like, snapping photos. But she's not, like, super techie or anything. Quite the opposite, really. But um, shout-outs to you, Mom. You got me into Yu-Gi-Oh! So that's why I'm here. But you're not very tech literate. So she would probably love this feature. Mm-hmm. Because it just kind of it fixes the photo and gets what effectively she saw with her eyes in the moment. Like, she knew that, like, we were all smiling she just didn't get. She it, just didn't capture like, because you know a photo is a very fast frame. So she just got unlucky and captured a time when someone blinked, 
And we were in a hurry and we were about to like leave. And so she didn't get another chance to shoot it. And she would have really liked everybody to be like looking in the photo. So I think it's kind of like some catching of those, the general moment. Yeah, it's catching the ideal moment. And she's not going to be on social media sharing this. This is just kind of for her mm-hmm. personal records. But she gets to kind of have a memory of it that is effectively is what she remembered. It's just a, a it's like it's a little, a little fixed, I guess. Like, I me, I want my pictures to look a little bad. I want, I, I want it to look a little rough. I will say one of the features that I do like is uh, that Google Magic Eraser, where you can erase people from the background. That is dark. It's like a yeah, it's very it's, dark when I say it aloud dark. like that. But it's supposed to kind of be, or one of the intended uses is like if you're a tourist or something, you can kind of like get rid of people. Hey, back look, there, it so. gets rid of problem of uh, always, you know. Inviting a significant other to family events because when you take the family photos, they'll be in the picture with the rest of you. Right. Because yeah. now you can just erase them when you break up. It's easy. Just mm-hmm. now invite all your exes over because you don't. It don't it's matter. Like, like, back in the Facebook days, right where when people would like break up, they'd delete all the pictures, and so you don't like, have to do that anymore. Crop the person out. Now you just erase them out. They were never there. Who was who Jeff? I don't know. Yeah. So, um, I, you know, these these AI. <gasps> That reminds me. So okay. someone did that in a photo, and it was on social media, and the ex actually saw the picture and what had been done. So it was on Twitter. Um, girl shows photo of her and her dog at the park. And ex quote tweets, I was in this picture. The dog wasn't there. <laughs> he was removed from the picture, and she put the dog in his place. Interesting. Okay. Huh. Yeah, I mean, you know, listen, I would like to know what the audience thinks about these sorts of things. Like, I know, like, you know, this is kind of a little offbeat from what we might usually, you know, worry about the next ban list. But, like, I don't know. AI is much more dangerous than the ban list. Some people think AI writes the ban lists. Yeah, well, so, maybe a Macedo. There's an argument for it. Anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> if we ask ChatGPT what should be removed from the ban list, I don't know what it would say. Yeah, we're gonna do that one time. I'm we're gonna do it, like I'm a gonna pod- do it right now. Yeah, yeah. You I'm do, gonna do it, look it right up. now. And there's got to be a podcast where it's literally we just AI, ask AI questions and just talk about what it tells us. Because I, I am curious. Because you see, you hear. You know, I'm, okay, I'm gonna. If you're doing that, I'm gonna ask Google Bard. I'm, I'm I'll ask to, Chat GPT. I, yes, guys, I have an account. I know I do hate it. It's just it's everybody it's tried a, it's it. It's a useful tool. All right, yeah, everybody tried it. Okay, what cards? I'm gonna ask what cards. Should be on the next, or it should be banned on the next Yu-Gi-Oh! Forbidden Limited list. And we're going to see what Bard tells me. Like Bard's like, what is Yu-Gi-Oh? <laughs> Probably Bard doesn't know shit. Forbidden and Limited list. It's probably going to tell me it doesn't know like anything about this, though. I'm not. But wouldn't would it be interesting be if it did have an idea? Okay. All right. Here we go. You got your question ready? Almost. Unlimited. Oh, my God. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Okay. You guys are going to like this. This is, this is, I, I didn't expect to think, this podcast will take a bit of a twist as the, uh. Okay. I've just asked chat GPT what card should be unlimited from the ban list. Okay. I asked which one should be banned. 
Oh, okay. Okay, so you go first then. So, Chat GPT said, and this is 3.5, uh, I don't have access to the most up-to-date Yu-Gi-Oh! ban list since my knowledge only goes up to January 2022. However, which card should be unlimited on the ban list is a matter of game balance and ongoing assessment by the game's creators. The ban list is adjusted periodically to maintain... Okay, in short, they're not going to answer it. Well, I, I have an answer. What you got? So I asked, what Yu-Gi-Oh! card should be banned in the next Forbidden and Limited list? Um, and determining which Yu-Gi-Oh cards be banned in the next Forbidden and Limited list is a complex and subjective topic with many factors to consider and different opinions depending on individual play styles and preferences. However, based on current trends and community discussions, here are some potential candidates for banning or limiting. TR Elements. Um, it says Haveness, and it gives me a description of each card. Haveness. This card's ability to search and summon powerful fusion monsters while disrupting the opponent's hand is seen as too consistent and impactful. Now, Havnus does not do anything to your hand, but <laughs> otherwise it's kind of right. Okay, what uh, else I got? Merly. This card generates significant advantage by recycling banished monsters and setting up future plays. Again, that's not what Merly does. What format is it looking at here? Probably just talk of TR elements from like last year, I guess. Mm. Sheeran. This card's this card provides hand trapping protection and further boosts the archetype's consistency. Oh, so I ban all of them? Um and <laughs> or, ban or limit. And then Kit Kalos. This card's ability to negate effects and destroy monsters makes it a formidable threat, especially when combined with other tier elements cards. That's not done. Branded. Fallen of Albaz says to be banned or limited. <laughs> this card's God. versatility and ability to facilitate fusion summons with relative ease contributes to the archetype's dominance. Blazing Cartesia the Virtuous, Lubelion the Searing Dragon. It also talks about Sprite Elf and Gigantic Sprite. Now here's the fun part. Other potential candidates are ones that are like eerily highly talked about. Okay. Eradicator Epidemic Virus. Oh, that made waves. Um, this card's ability to banish entire archetypes can be excessively punishing. That d- <laughs> Dimensional Barrier. This card's ability to negate spells and traps completely shuts down certain strategies. I mean, D-Barrier is on the list, but I don't know if that's the right description of it. Um, and Runic Fountain's probably the best one. Wow. This card provides continuous hand advantage, potentially leading to long and drawn out games. So, so it isn't all the details aren't quite right, but it has the right. It, it idea. knows what the topics were that were being talked about at the time were mm. for sure. So it feels like it just kind of scrubbed through Google search uh, history and was like, these cards got got mentioned with the word banned a lot. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, and and fair, like they did. So, anyways, I guess that's enough AI. Yeah, that's more than enough. I'm already sick of this stuff. Cool. Well, um, I've got a couple of neat video game stories. I figure there's been a little bit happening. All right, what you got? Got to talk about the GTA 6 trailer. I think that's like been the talk of the town. Mm-hmm. That trailer, apparently, um, so it actually leaked yeah. early. And so then Rockstar just went ahead and released the official one just right after so that, you know, because why bother fighting it? And didn't the GTA 6 plot get leaked like some year yeah, ago? Yeah, like a year ago or two. Yeah, golly, they can't escape it. I mean, people really want to play this game. They want their they GTA want to play 6. It bad. Do you have any experience with Grand Theft Auto at all? Literally none. Uh, my cousin had it, but my mom watched uh, the news where they told her that GTA was the, a plague against humanity. And so she made sure that Alex and I just never got to play it. She, she'd block the screen like this. Yeah. No, she, she didn't do that. But she made sure when our cousin would come over to play it that we would leave the room. Yeah, I, mean, I know GTA had a bit of a rep. Uh, still does, according to some people these days. But anyway, uh, more importantly, uh, yeah, the GTA 6 trailer happened. 
It's really cool. Yeah. I actually only just watched it like this morning. I think uh, Elon Musk watched it and he's he didn't like he, it. He wasn't. A he fan. didn't like it. But the rest of us were. In I fact, mean. so many people were. It's been the fastest growing YouTube video. Um, broke the record for like fastest growing YouTube video in the first like X hours and all that. Even like faster and like those like Justin been, Bieber like, music videos. Yeah, and stuff. yeah, and like oh, Mr. Wow. Beast and all that stuff. So. Yeah, people really care about this game. It, it's very hype. It was very anticipated. It won't be coming out until 2025. Gotta wait on that. But yeah, it seems like the story involves this couple that almost reminds me of like Bonnie and Clyde. I think that's the vibe they were going for. Um, this like Bonnie and Clyde uh, thieving couple. Yeah, it's based in Miami, I believe. Looks like it. Yeah. Um, Actually, uh, when I saw that alligator chasing someone, I knew it was based on Florida. <laughs> yeah, it feels like it's very... Much. I mean, I know like, GTA has kind of always been parody to some degree of like, you know, the United States, just society, culture, or whatever. Uh, but this is, it takes it to a new level. Like, I just love how there it's, you just see like people on like TikTok and IG Live as like part of the trailer. I mean, I was in Miami just like, what, a year ago or so? And it was eerily similar. Like, yeah. there, were, there were parts in that trailer I was like, wasn't I there? Like, I think yeah. I was, like, right there. They have, like, there's just Florida man-style stuff, mm. like, just crazy people doing weird things. Um, Fake bodies. I definitely saw some uh, in-game rendered BBLs running around. Yeah, girl twerking on, like, the car. I know that's that's been a popular <laughs> one. Uh, Somebody even went through and found the original, like, videos those are based off of. Yeah, very convincing mocap, certainly, if nothing else. Um yeah, I mean, like, game looks cool. I'd say I can't wait to play it, but, like, it comes out in 2025. So. so you have to wait to play it. Yeah, you got to wait you a little bit. You have no choice. Been a little controversial for, like, the the sect of the internet who hates the idea of playing as, like, a woman in a GTA game or, you know, whatever. I mean, it is what it is. Like, women can commit crimes, too. I mean, not just men. <clears throat> like, anyone can, really. He, she, they, we can all do it. You, guys, you want, Paul, you want to commit a crime? Yeah, so... I mean, what do you think of like this uh, this controversial change being able to play as a woman in GTA? What I are mean, your thoughts? Oh, I mean, I think I'd enjoy it more. I, I can't stand just looking at a guy's back the whole time I play games. Like, yeah, I I think it's gonna be pretty cool. I think I like the change of pace. I think that it's gonna allow them to tell probably it's a, a very different story. Um, or stories. No, GTA yeah. is really known for like their kind of symmetrical symmetrical multiple mm-hmm. storytelling thing. So yeah, color me excited. Um, this will, if I play it, this will be my first actual Grand Theft Auto game. I've never played one. I played a, a little smidgen of like GTA Five, but um, I I had friends who played a lot of GTA. I was such a like Nintendo kid. I never really got exposed to much Just of it. Never touched it. But Don't um, know. yeah, it looks like it's gonna be really cool. I think it's neat. Um, I hope that it, it does well. I hope no more of it gets leaked, although I get to this right. That's I mean, I mean, I don't know what it's happened twice now. So, <laughs> so the whole game's gonna go, the whole game's gonna drop on Christmas Day. Just yeah, I also have seen a lot about Fortnite. No, no, oh, you yeah. play this. So you I've can been maybe playing quite a bit more. of Fortnite. Yeah, what what have they been up to? So the latest chapter released after the uh, one month of Fortnite OG, which was a return to kind of like the season one, the very first Fortnite map, and it was really popular. Fortnite hit multiple records, and it capped off with a live event that was so popular their their servers just dis- disappeared. The servers just fell apart. Yeah. Well, in this new chapter, uh, Fortnite is going extremely hard. They're completely changing up. How you interact with Fortnite. It is no longer just one game, which it never was. Technically, Fortnite was a battle royale and a um, save the world mode, which was really the original Fortnite. 
But now there will be three more ways to engage with Fortnite. Okay. One, there is Fortnite Lego. Okay. The Fortnite Lego verse, where your Fortnite skins, I think over uh, 16 or 1500 skins, have been converted into Lego models. And you can play this kind of survival Lego game, but it's like Fortniteized. Fortniteized? I'm not sure what the word for yeah. that would be. Fortnite. But uh, that drops actually tomorrow, which will be the, for the pod, it'll be today. Mm-hmm. It drops today, Fortnite Lego. And uh, if you ever played one of those Lego video games, you kind of have a good idea of how this is going to go. I will definitely be checking it out because I haven't played like a Lego video game in many, many years. And I'll be giving yeah, they're it They're actually pretty fun. I played some as a kid. And then the day after, so I guess the actual tomorrow from this pod is a rocket racing, which is developed in combina- in, uh, in tandem, par- par- in tandem with, was it Psionics, the guys who do uh, rocket, rocket League? League. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Okay. So it's a racing mode. And... I, you get a ta- we got a taste of it during the um, the live event. It's a, it seems a full on racing game essentially. But Fortnite, you could actually unlock like car cosmetics you can even use in the Fortnite battle royale mode. And then last but not least is Fortnite Festival, which I don't completely understand it. There was a bit of like a rhythm game mechanic to it, but it has different at real life artists perform. And you can get cosmetics, you can get skins for them. I know the headliner for this upcoming uh, Fortnite festival is The Weeknd. He will have a Fortnite skin, Fortnite cosmetics. There will be instruments and all sorts of ways to participate. But they dropped a set list actually very recently of the different artists who will be involved in Fortnite festival. And there were names like The Weeknd, Kendrick Lamar, um, uh, Imagine Dragons, Billie Eilish... Yeah, lots yeah. of big names. Lots of big names. Yeah, I mean, I actually didn't even mention that. Like Eminem just got added, right? Yeah, Eminem was a big part of the uh, the live event uh, yeah. for the end of the last season. I saw a lot he of was memes in the event, and they released uh, multiple skins. There's a whole thing. When you say the live event, so Fortnite used to be known for, or not just known for, but a big part of Fortnite was these live events that would happen at the end of seasons. Where there'd be one-time events that happen at a specific time, you get it, you log into the game, and you would participate in some type of a season-ending challenge, some type of story, world-building type thing, and they kind of just stopped doing those. Mm-hmm. I think they were they were just hard to manage live events. They're tough on the servers because you get a, a huge you get you get a bigger surge of people than you're ever really expecting, as they found out here. And for this past live event. You pretty much had to log in an hour early. If you logged in 30 minutes before the live event, you weren't getting it in time. That's what a lot of people found out. And it, uh, you can keep going with a party. And so you can be on mic with your friends while it's happening. And it kind of took you through a trip of all the new features that were to be expected in the new season. We went to the Lego world. We saw everyone bursting into Lego pieces. We saw them building. We, we hopped on cars and we even drove them a little bit in the rocket racing part. And, uh, then we went to the Fortnite festival where Eminem kind of destroyed the world while rapping, and it was sick. Uh, it was it was a really good time. Hmm. Yeah, you know, I was gonna say I feel like I just saw that like Peter Griffin's getting added to Fortnite. Yeah, and it just made me think, man, Fortnite is the biggest crossover. I've killed of, him like, so many times. Oh, so he's already in. Yeah, he's oh, in. okay. He's in. Yeah, it feels like Fortnite's just the biggest crossover thing ever. Like, yeah, it's it's. it's, it's the it took the that, Smash Brothers thing and just blew it up to a thousand. The fact that I, I mean, literally, there's just there's anime characters like there's 
My Hero Academia and like Dragon Ball yeah, and Jujutsu, Jujutsu Kaisen, Kaisen and like I, I Naruto. think Naruto's in there. But then also there's like Iron Man and yeah, they've had lots of LeBron Marvel. James. LeBron's in there. And like Many just, athletes, a few athletes. Now yeah, in singers, Osaka. athletes, influencers are in there. Mr. Beast. Yeah, it's like plus just random other cameos and oh, things. Solid Snake is in too. Okay, yeah, they're adding him. It's like. Any anyone's welcome at this point. Hey, hey man, you're not. Are you really a franchise if you're not in Fortnite? Yeah, I mean, I actually have heard um, through the grapevine of the marketing world that a lot of companies would kill for a chance for their, you know, IP or property or mascot to be in Fortnite. Hint, hint, Yu-Gi-Oh. Maybe you yeah, should try. On, get on, get on it. I'm trying to play Yu-Gi. I mean, seriously, like imagine Yu-Gi in Fortnite. Like Yu-Gi, you play as Yu-Gi and Kaiba, people would love that, man. And, and the guns wouldn't be off brand because that's like originally that was the type of shit they were doing in those early mangas. Because of uh, like it's the anime collaborations now, because before it would have been weird. It's like we, there's a game about shooting and building. Uh, we can't just have like a spirit bomb hit the ground and destroy everything. But no, um, Goku can launch. They added a Kamehameha during the Dragon Ball thing. They added um, Deku's Smash, like smash or whatever, sm- uh, whatever, whichever Air smash Force punch or, it was. Well, yeah, those. They added that to the game. So they, they could very well have a blue eyes launching a white lightning attack or, du- or, or like a mind doing crush a, or something, something of that know. matter and just blowing up half the screen. You know, it's kind of crazy. You know, Yugi and Kyber in Jump Force, right? Yep. That game shut down. Yeah. You can't like play it anymore. It is gone. It's crazy. So, yeah, I mean, I think that Yugi and Kaiba in Fortnite would help to sort of solidify them as like that pop culture thing because. An IP being in Fortnite is actually like a huge boon to just its, it's general interest. Because think about it, right? Like if Yugi and like Kaiba were suddenly announced for the next like Fortnite expansion, let's say they even throw in like Merrick, just someone that mm-hmm. Pegasus, Merrick, something like Joey, right? Suddenly mainstream interest in Yu-Gi-Oh is like way up. Because everybody just kind of wants to know, like, oh, what, what is that? Or I remember that. Or like, oh, Yu-Gi-Oh is still a thing. And it could be like a really big thing for just kind of garnering a little bit of interest. Like, a lot of kids get introduced to these older franchises through Fortnite. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's it's a shame when they say things like, oh, look, that's Eminem, the, the guy from Fortnite. Eminem from Fortnite, like, yeah. But still, I mean, that's how you got to reach the youngsters. That's how you got to reach the youngsters. I'll take my 10% royalties, Konami. Um, yeah, but, I mean, I don't know. I, I would love to see it. It, would be, I really it actually think would be, awesome. be sick. And, I mean, come on. The... Don't let don't let everyone else beat you to the punch. Even Disney has skins in it. Jack Skellington from the uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. Last I checked, was in the shop. I don't know if I'm so the surprised right there's not Final Fantasy there yet. Like you give know, Cloud and Sephiroth. Time, are, they're they're probably on the way. They are probably on the way. Cool. Okay. Um, you got any other gaming stories? Well, this one's not gaming, but uh, I kind of I, I missed it, and I but I I do want to talk about it. Okay. Uh, are you familiar with the footwear brand Clarks? No. So uh, it's, a, it's a small picture, just so you can kind of see what a Clarks shoe might look like. They are doing a Pokemon collab. Oh, interesting. And so Clark's is designing shoes based off of Pikachu, Charmander, Squirtle, and Bulbasaur. Yeah, okay. And uh, let's see. What How expensive called? are these going to be? I can hardly wait. And I don't mean MSRP. I can't find the price, but I do have the other designs. Okay. I'll have to add uh, some images in. I like these, Yeah, actually. they're simple. They're to the point. Like They're actually solid you know, shoes. I might get some water blue ones or whatever. Cop them, Paul. 
cop them. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that's something that you all have to fight over. <laughs> like, you know, sign in at 5 a.m. or something. Let me to get see it. if. So they are available online and in selected stores December 8th. The collection pulls today. inspiration okay. from <laughs> for four <laughs> Pokemon. Yeah, Bulbasaur, Charmander. I had to be Sporting sure that Pikachu. I could even get things. They, they, this is their uh, Tor Hill High silhouettes. Okay. They say it's crafted of premium textural suede accompanied by retro pixelated graphics on the tongue in various hues from green, orange, blue, and yellow, mirroring the the hues of each of these Pokemon. And naturally, they don't actually say how expensive it is, but... Uh, it sounds like it's probably a little pricey. Then. It'll probably cost. Let me see if I can get to the um, website. Yeah, like the, maybe the pre-order, or not pre-order, but I guess like hype page. Because I mean, I don't mind purchasing uh, some Pokemon Pokemon shoes, and they, you know they look nice. They're not over. Yeah, they, they look really like, good. I will say um, that reminds me, uh, the company High Ground mm-hmm. that do the they do mechanical keyboards. They're doing a Pokemon. They announced like a Pokemon collab um, after the Yu Gi Oh ones. Finally, yeah, Yu Gi Oh beats Pokemon to the punch. Yeah, they just did a Yu Gi Oh uh, mechanical keyboard collab. I have a Blue Eyes keyboard mm-hmm. that they sent over. I should have brought it just so I could like show it in the podcast. But um they did Dark Magician, Blue Eyes, and they also did Exodia. And I think for Pokemon, I saw a Blastoise one because that's what I would have like if I were to get it, that's what I'd probably get. Right. But I didn't see the other ones. I assume of course Charizard's there. I'm sure like Venusaur. You can't miss Charizard. So. That's not possible. Probably you can the miss Venusaur though. Venusaur can be missed. And they even had mousing like or mousing Matching giant like mouse pads. So I had a blue eyes mouse pad. It's very big. It's a good time. Did you were you able to find a, a price or anything? Nope. Uh, Let's well. assume it'll be expensive. Yeah, or assume it will be probably expensive just because this brand seems like it's probably in the pricier end. And then the secondary market will like triple that. So Yeah. That, I'm that surprised that they aren't including like an exclusive card in them. That's how Yu-Gi-Oh does it. Oh, you think that that's how Pokemon would do it? Just throw in some Pokemon card that you can only get when you buy the shoe, and suddenly it's yeah. worth like a thousand bucks. People are gonna fight over it. Well, here's a bit of a like weird kind of just unfortunate story. Um, it's vaguely gaming related. So, um, this is from Sony. Anybody who has PlayStation TV, I don't know if. Uh, You've ever used this? No, I didn't know PlayStation TV existed. Yeah, it's called like PlayStation TV or something to that effect. Anyways, or just you can, I guess these are things you could have gotten on the PlayStation Store. As of December 31st, 2023, due to our content licensing arrangements with content providers, this is from Sony, you will no longer be able to watch any of your previously purchased Discovery content. And the content will be removed from your video library. We sincerely thank you for your continued support. Thank you, PlayStation Store. I heard... Wait, I thought Disney was doing that. Is uh, it Sony? This is Sony. So, yeah, I guess they cut ties or lost their licensing arrangement with Discovery. And so that means a lot of shows that were published by them, like A Crime to Remember or Air Pressure or America, Facts versus Fiction. I mean, these are just different shows and stuff that mm-hmm. you could have gotten. Bad Blood, Barbecue Pitmasters... List goes very, very, very deep. Like, there's... the I'm, I'm sitting here just scrolling through this list. There's a lot. Um, well, anyway... Yeah, you can't access any of those shows anymore. Even if you purchase those shows using, mm-hmm. like, your, just, on your PlayStation account, they are com- going to be completely going away and you will have no access to them anymore. So, there's no recourse? If you purchased it, like... There seem to be no refunds. Wow. Yeah. So, this is another one of those examples. Um... Where, 
like buying digitally, buying your things digitally, you got to be really wary of like buying stuff digitally. Mm -hmm. I found a proper article on, you know, Sony signal it's it's intention to pull some PlayStation content, um, even from those who bought it. In a brief notice on the PlayStation website, Sony said it planned to remove hundreds of Discovery films, okay, they're films more so than TV shows, from users' video libraries, preventing them from watching the content they'd paid money for. Um, due to content licensing arrangements, um, it follows a long list of affected content, which includes over 1,000 seasons of shows. Wow. Including Mythbusters and Morgan Freeman. Does this have something to do with the uh, HBO Max and Discovery merger? Possible. Um, the decision sparked a uh, backlash online and fueled concern around ownership of digital media. Video game preservation is a hot topic within the industry, but the issue of content removal from digital platforms is top of mind for movie and TV makers, too. Because if you if you have me buy something, because it doesn't sound like they were just... Were they people just buying access, or did they believe they were actually buying the TV show? Well, so the tricky part about that uh, is that for a lot of people, they do believe they're buying the TV show. And the way that it kind of almost appears on your screen when you're like going through these, you know, the PlayStation shop and getting it is almost as though that's what you're buying. But you're not. You're buying a license to watch it, stream it. You're not getting a physical media piece of it. You don't own it. And uh, it could be you know, just taken away at any time. Cause I mean, if you, cause essentially it sounds like you were playing extra for access to this discovery plus content. Now that they no longer have access to discovery plus, I mean, you, you won't be charged any more extra for it. Cause it's gone now. I mean, it's a pain, but I don't think you're being really robbed. Or you're talking about like losing access to discovery plus as a user. Well, you individual, I think you people individually purchased these things, so it wasn't like kind of a, oh, you pay a subscription, you just have access to them, and now you don't. It's like you chose which like movies and stuff to get, is my understanding. And you paid a separate price for it, yeah. This um, is, yeah, this is not like part of just yeah. PlayStation, Ooh, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't feel good at all. So, at least that's my understanding of it. If somebody can fill me in more on the situation, I would love to hear it. But people on Twitter are not happy. And while frequently I kind of, you know, uh, people on Twitter are never happy about anything, I think this is actually a very valid thing to be pretty upset over. Like, Fair. if you bought these, it's just removed from your library and you get no refund and there's no backup solution. I mean, you can't even, like, watch them anymore at all. Like, you know how sometimes things will be like, oh, okay, it's going to be, like, going off the store, but if you have it downloaded, you can at least, like, Mm. have access to that. yeah this you don't even get that because it's like purely streamed apparently now i i'm not this i'm not this guy but i do know this guy who um when it when, whenever he buys something off of a digital platform like a google play movie or something uh he rips that and puts it in his own personal server where it can't be reached yeah i mean i know for a lot of people on twitter they feel like this is one of those things that does sort of validate you know the idea of piracy, like piracy just like once, like once, like I'm not, I don't know, I don't know who this guy is, but I know when he buys something online, he's very, sh- he makes very sure to have a copy of it that's available offline, like because he, he he knows that these these digital pieces of content can be taken from you at any time if you're just watching it on the platform that's hosted on, and he believes that if he's bought something, he owns it and he will take it. But I don't know who that is. I'm not sure who that person is. This old man is very cautious. Like, you know, you know. <laughs> um, 
I yeah. So I yeah. No, I, I. This one's rough. I mean, it's really kind of. It's just like one of those digital media things. Like I buy a lot of my games digitally. I mean, it even makes you think of like a Yu Gi Oh Master Duel, where like, I guess a lot of mobile games will eventually end. Yeah. You mentioned that like last week Many or whatever. Times. But when it comes to like just even just the content, like it's a TV show or a movie that you bought or something. It's like, I mean, no, I mean, I don't know who did that, who does that kind of thing, but I do know a guy who as every episode of Tamers is on a hard drive, a Digimon Tamers. I should be clear because uh, it was in high quality and he never knew if uh, he'd ever get his hands on such a thing again. Yeah. I mean, stuff comes and goes. So, uh, yeah, that's just kind of an unfortunate one. Hopefully Sony at least gives people like, Oh, and Digimon tri films. He has those too. Yeah, I think that they should. I hope that they can do something about this. I feel like that that's pretty shitty of them. Otherwise, but knowing Konami or not Konami, well, knowing Konami, they also do <laughs> knowing probably, corporations, knowing capitalism, it'll probably happen either way. Yeah. Cool. You got any other stories? That's actually it for me. I actually don't have any more. That was untapped. Well, I've got one to finish us off. I won't right. spend as much time on it. It's a Marvel story, though. So while I hope this doesn't turn into another forty-minute segment, I'm gonna start calling you Masado and Marvel Paul. Yeah, uh, Marvel confirms three Disney Plus series for 2024. Um, so basically, Kevin Feige confirmed that the pace at which we're putting out the Disney Plus shows will change, so they can each get a chance to shine. Okay, um, I mean the pacing wasn't really the problem, but all right. Yeah, the studio pared down its streaming content to three series this year: Secret Invasion in June, Loki season two in October, and the animated What If season two in December. Those are actually the only three Marvel shows. Feels sparse given that, like in past years, they feel like they come out every like two months. Um, and also, the films Ant Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three, and The Marvels make a total of six Marvel Studios projects across theatrical and streaming this year, down from nine uh, in 2021 and eight in 2022. Well, anywho, uh, next year Marvel is going to spread out its content on the film and TV sides. Good. Deadpool Three, scheduled for July 26, is the lone film releasing next year. It's the only Marvel film that we get. About time. Uh, because Captain America, Brave New World, um, and Thunderbolts got pushed out of 2024 entirely. I forgot all about Thunderbolts. Yeah, I don't even know what that is. I didn't know Br- Captain America, Brave New World was announced. <laughs> I think it used to be called Captain America, New World Order. And then they changed it to Brave New World oh, to okay. sound, I guess, more like approachable and friendly and fun. Yeah, New World Order has actually a few different connotations to it. Yeah. Um, so, Also, the WWE might have a copyright on that. As part of a press release about what's new on Disney Plus in 2024, the streamer confirmed just three Marvel Studios series. Um, the Hawkeye spinoff Echo on oh, January yeah. 10th. Forgot about that. It's pretty soon. WandaVision spinoff Agatha, Darkhold Diaries. Ah, oh, Jesus Christ. Okay, I mean, I'm fine. And the X-Men animated series revival. Oh, yeah, X-Men I forgot 97. about that. It's a, essentially a reboot of the old school X-Men TV show. Announced projects without release dates include Ironheart, a Wakanda series from Black Panther director Ryan Coogler, Wonder Man, What If Season 3, and Daredevil Born Again. So Some of those um, were announced uh, well ahead of the others, and they're yeah, just still... Yeah, so these, these are not on the calendar. Uh, what's interesting is I remember reading that like Ironheart uh, was filmed, like finished filming in 2022, so it's crazy to think that we might not see it until 2025. Maybe they're going to adopt the um, the Warner Brothers practice of just uh, 
canceling it before it can <laughs> be released, and they get the tax break money. I mean, they kind of have been like. I don't know if they've been, like, canceling a lot of things, but, like, I know um, that Blade movie, I've heard about that for, like, years, and it just never seems to come out. It, I, and then with, like, Daredevil, they're, like, re, like they're getting a new showrunner or something. It's a nightmare. Like, they, they've been having a very difficult time. I mean, maybe with the strike being over, they can get things back on track. But, um, I don't know, I feel like they just need a, t- a change of strategy. Maybe this is maybe this is leading that, that change of strategy. Yeah, I mean, I think they're just going to try to, like, kind of, Cool it on the, like, rapid-fire releases. Maybe let the things get some time to breathe. Hopefully that helps. I think superhero fatigue is a real thing. I know that's, like, a buzzword to say, but I do think it's a valid concern, so. I, do, I just don't care for uh, the MCU's belief that they can just make things. Like, yeah, okay, what do you mean? So when WandaVision came out, it was, a kind of, it was like, the first uh, Mar- MCU Disney Plus show, right? I think it was the first. It was one of the if, if if it wasn't the first, it was definitely the most popular. But um, I think they believed that the character of Agatha was going to be so popular that um, they could greenlight a spinoff with her as a central character, and it would just work. And I remember yeah. when watching Wandavision, I felt it was strange. This like the screen time they gave Agatha. The way that they they wanted they re, I could tell they wanted you to care me to care yeah and I and I think like most people I kind of just didn't yeah I think that's always been uh so I think the reason they did that is because I remember a period of time if you will take a step back in time with me when these sorts of things were like every character getting their own show was the hypest thing in the universe to these Marvel fans this was kind of back before I was a big Marvel fan. Now, I, I, I would call myself now, like, a, a Marvel fan. Well, not a huge one, but, like, I'm following stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously, we're talking about the podcast a lot. I, I watch the movies and watch the stuff. But I haven't really always been. I remember back when, you know, like, you and Alex and, like, Larry and also, like, big Marvel. You know, when they would release those, like, at, at those Comic-Cons, those big, you know, the, yeah. the pictures where it's, like, the release calendars. And it would just be, like, here's 20 new things and, like... Here's the, all the, it's like 10 different movies and 10 different Disney shows, and they're about this obscure character and this obscure character. And it's always like, I know who like Iron Man and like Captain America and Thor are. Like my parents. Yeah, exactly. But then I was like, who are like these people? And it, it started to just get like lower and lower down the totem pole of like, who the fuck is this? And why are they getting an entire like six to eight episode like TV show about them? Can we, st- I wish we could stop pretending like six episodes is a season of anything. It is if by Marvel standards. Yeah, that's, I don't. I don't care for the, the like. We've warped the idea of a TV show. But continue, continue. Well, no, I mean, there's a lot to be said about that. But yeah, I mean, it just feels like Marvel. Um, I, they, I think they, there was. I get why they did it because at the time when they were like riding the high of the Marvel universe, and all that. I think people were chomping at the bit for like any character, any little obscure yeah, side character to true. get their own show. And I think now we're at a point where like. Not only is there the superhero fatigue thing, but also like it almost makes it feel point like it's just like who who is this? We don't care. But Marvel has much bigger names still in their pocket than Agatha. That's yeah. the that's the weird thing about that announcement. It's like Moon Knight's a bigger character than Agatha. I, I don't know. Like, wow, that's saying something. I mean, it, it just is. I mean, I think that's that just true, it just goes to show just how niche and unknown the Agatha Harkness character was. Because I mean, is. and like no, because I liked um, Wakanda forever, but like Ironheart doesn't like. I don't. I just I don't know that that's something that I like 
was like super hype to for I mean, this character to get a, a a show. Ironheart was pushed during the all new, all different uh, Marvel comic series where they it was very um, mixed in popularity. Oh, that was the one where, where they ch- basically changed like everybody's. They brought in all the different gendered and different raced versions of the Avengers, and they formed their own. Avengers oh, team. Oh, that was plenty popular. So, I mean, uh, yeah. It, uh, People love when you change uh, the colors you know, of Aragorn. There was Amadeus Cho as the Hulk, who had already been established as a version of the Hulk, but they put him on the team. Miles Morales is Spider-Man, you know. Yep. He, he, people knew yeah, about we him. Know, no Ms. one dislikes Marvel. Miles Morales. That never gets... Uh, and I know, <laughs> and Ironheart was a newer one, <laughs> kind of made for this event where it, you know well, you saw the movie, so you know about yep. the basic Ironheart setup. But she meets Tony Stark, and he puts her on, and she becomes kind of his not I wouldn't call her her sidekick, kind of his sequel. She tries to do what he did Protégé. better and not be as a, much of a pos yeah. as Tony Stark was. So Ironheart should have been more properly carried into the MCU. I think Ironheart could have started off in a solo work and not be crammed into black the Panther. Black Panther yeah. deal. It's like, oh, she's black. They're black. What is- yeah, that, that's probably <laughs> what they were thinking. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I um, Good luck to everyone involved. Yeah, you know, uh, good luck to um, all. I mean, I'll be watching these shows as I'm passively interested in anything Marvel. I, I don't think I'm watching Agatha. Yeah, I don't know if I'll watch that. But I've heard good things about, what's the first one? The Division. No, the Echo thing. Oh, Echo? Yeah, what is that? Is that worth watching? I mean, kind of. But it is weird because Echo in the comics was Daredevil's apprentice. But she was introduced in Hawkeye. Well, I think it's a good time for us to read some Pot of Greed questions, don't you? Sure. Great. We've got plenty of new questions thanks to our Google Form. Whoa, whoa, get your hand out of there. Let's shake it first. Okay, yeah. Thanks to our Google Form. Uh, We have plenty of you guys' questions to answer. Thanks for submitting so many. It's a great way for us to keep track of them as well. And I'm excited to answer some of these because I've seen a couple. All right. All right. Cool. You go first. Okay. You get turn player priority. Other than Goat or Edison, what other format would you like to play? Some it's assuming time was it format. Oh, like snapshot formats. Hmm. <laughs> I know some people play twenty fourteen, like uh Chidal, Burning Abyss, like twenty fourteen, twenty fifteen. Yeah, that that gets into twenty fifteen. Yeah, like Necros, Gleefort. That one was all, all right. I didn't play like too much of that. I was playing rogue in that format. You know, I wouldn't mind like that. I know some people like toss format, like twenty nineteen. I didn't mind that. Wait, make tell, remind me toss. Uh, I'm trying to get the Thunder archetypes. Dragon, Orcus, Sky Striker, Salaman, Great. I could play that format. I yeah, could play okay. that format. I played Thunder Dragons. I enjoyed the deck. So yeah, I mean, frankly, I'm uh, my like hot take is like. I can never quite get into snapshot formats. I've tried a little bit, but I just always find them to be... I don't know. I guess I'm just like, that time has passed. Like, and and I know that's a weird thing coming from me because, like, we make a bunch of videos with, like, old Yu-Gi-Oh! products Mm -hmm. and stuff like that, kind of nostalgia-driven stuff. 
but I don't think I really like playing it like as a format. Like I love doing kind of old sealed things. Like, oh, let's like kind of take this structure deck at the time, like play it against this other structure deck for the time. And it's like a, a single video and it kind of lets us jump in, jump out. But for me, I've never really been able to like, because I loved the Edison format. I was playing very competitively actually at that period of time, but I just don't really feel like revisiting it. And I know that that's like a, probably a, something that's fairly exclusive to me. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think, I don't have any, like, great rational reason why I think that way. It just, it's harder for me to get into those. I don't know. And for me, it's harder to pick a uh, Time Wizard format because I didn't compete through most of Yu-Gi-Oh! Even when I was playing Yu-Gi-Oh! I wasn't competitive. So, for me, Time Wizard format, I'd be visiting formats I did. I technically did not participate in. Not really. I mean, for some, they say that's the sales pitch, is getting to, like, if you miss those formats, and you maybe you started playing Yu-Gi-Oh! like two years ago, mm-hmm. but, like, you're getting to kind of bounce back in time and play what is effectively a very different card game, really. Because, I mean, I was, because I was playing Yu-Gi-Oh! Um, through the Edison format and and all, and I just wasn't playing competitively. So that's one reason why I like Edison because I'm like, oh well, I can play like what was actually meta and competitive at the time when I was a I was a filthy scrub just doing whatever. Yeah, I um I know you've got an Edison deck build. I should probably mm-hmm. go ahead and try to I build one. I built gadgets because uh I mean I think if I build one and maybe play in one of our little weekly Edisons, I might change my mind. But to answer the question. I think toss format would probably be my answer. I, I, I played a lot of toss format actually like in regionals and stuff. So mm-hmm. and did pretty well uh, using Grand Maju. But um, it is what it is. But yeah, I mean, hey, the results are the results. So I was able to top a couple of them and that was fun. So I think that would probably be my answer. I don't know if there's any other format that. Actually, one other. Oh, there is a format I'd like to play again. Uh, but what do you call that? Cosmo format. Oh yeah, what, what do we call that? It doesn't really have a name, but it, it needs a name. Yeah, like twenty. It was. I'd love. It to was pilot. basically right after um, the Necroz Shadal. All of that got yeah. banned effectively. It was right when Cosmos kind of released, and then that led into like Pepe format and. I, I, so, really, I really enjoyed playing full power uh, Cosmo at the time, though I couldn't get my hands on Dark Destroyers, so I played on like uh, uh, third party simulators that will not be named. Yeah, there are two other major ones that kind of came to mind for me is like uh, kind of 2012, like late 2012, um, Wind Up in Zector Dino Rabbit kind of was a neat uh, format. I know some people look, look back on that fondly. I, I thought it was all right. I, I wouldn't mind maybe giving that a crack and then the other one is one that actually happened right before i started playing competitive Yu-Gi-Oh, and that would be uh like teledad kind of dark arm return into teledad like that that era something in there mm-hmm. feels like that could be a fun thing to experience because i would not have had any hope of having the money needed to compete back then but now those cards would be very accessible and uh i liked the dark counterparts from phantom darkness the set so I remember wanting to make a deck with them. So I think being able to play like Dark Lord Zorado and Dark Greffer and all that stuff kind of in their prime mm-hmm. would be a, a fun thing. I wonder if I can get enough people behind the format like that, though. Yeah, might be might be tough. <laughs> Teledad's what a lot of people consider to be like the first tier zero sort of thing. So that's where that term got popular in the community. Anywho, I've got a question. What you got? If you weren't Yugi tubers, what would you be doing? I'd be I'd have a cubicle in somebody's office. I'd I'd just be in corporate America. Yeah. Uh for me, 
Uh, I'd probably work in marketing, I want to say. Also in a cubicle. Okay. But I probably would still be in a cubicle. Well, I mean, like maybe that. I'd be in one of those, like, fancy progressive companies like Google where you slide down the slide. Oh, look at that window. I know. Okay, just want to remind you where we're at here. Slide down the slide and into the cafeteria that serves me. And again, me, with your grades, you maybe could have landed a spot in one of high-end techies. Yeah, I feel like I'd be in, like, a techie or, like, a like HR company, not HR company, PR company or something, lying through my teeth for people like, who. Instead, we look out our window and there's a guy who spit out a cigarette in the ground right there. Yeah. Next question. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. So, Paul. If you could design a Yu-Gi-Oh spin-off game, much in the line, much in the way of like Dungeon Dice Monsters or Capsule Monster Coliseum, okay, w- what would it be about and how would it play? When we say spin-off game, are we talking about like kind of an? It, it's a, it'll like be a, a video game, and it ca- and it won't be using cards. Okay, I want Yu-Gi-Oh fighting game. Ah. I think it would be fun. I don't think that there's actually a great reason for it to exist. I'll be completely honest. It'd be a niche for a niche. Um, it'd be like a niche within a niche, and there's really like there aren't really even all that many monsters that seem like they would lend themselves particularly well to a fighting game. Mm-hmm. I just think the idea of zoning with dark magic attack or something <laughs> would, be, would be really annoying. Paul just be in the corner. Dark magic attack. Dark magic attack. I think if dark I was answering the attack. question a little bit more like modern, it could be called like an MMO. But I think that would still want, like, people would probably still want to have, like, a dueling component to that. Like, you run around and, like, challenge people mm-hmm. to duels, maybe, or something like that. I would like a Pokemon clone using the Capsule Monster season of the Yu-Gi-Oh! anime. Okay. I, I, I want to, like, run up and catch a Celtic Guardian with my little capsule thing on my arm. I'm, I, I'm gonna have a I'm gonna have a dark magician girl on my team. I'm gonna have a, a, a Celtic guardian, a black cluster soldier. It's funny you mentioned that. You know, I don't actually know that much about the Yu-Gi-Oh capsule monsters season, and you shouldn't. Like I, it's really bad. I think I watched part of one episode of it. Like it's and there's only like what two or three a, episodes or something. But oh, it's longer than that. Oh, it's like a or like an arc. Maybe? I don't remember how. I don't remember the exact episode length, but definitely it's got, it got some episodes. Okay, well, I think I only watched like the, the intro to some of it. I think I just wasn't interested. Well, it's a complete tone shift. You you know you go into it because uh, it's after the end of Battle City, and it's also after the end of the uh, Millennium World. Yeah, it's after all that. So it's after Yu Gi Oh, and you're expecting a new Yu Gi Oh story, and, then it's and just this weird it ignores thing. pretty much everything that comes before it, and you're in this isolated event where they're on an island and there are monsters running around and they capture them and it's weird it doesn't feel right and you're older now you don't feel like you have time for this mess (laughs) yeah it does feel like that could lend itself well to a pokemon thing though yeah that's what i want i want to play pokemon with Yu-Gi-Oh monsters definitely sounds like that could be a vibe um oh i want the uh i want the i want to catch the big monarch lady erebus and ether yeah i want ether i want to catch catch ether Ether. i don't know if you can catch her Uh, i yeah. <laughs> Do you like Lady Dominiski or whatever? <laughs> Except much bigger. The monarchs are actually huge. Yeah, they're, yeah. Like, they're, that's like, they're considered world enders. Yeah, they... they like, there's a funny... Okay, so if you anybody who's played the monarch story in Master Duel, they he goes. their lore. Well, I mean, I think that their lore... This might have been the first time that they got lore. Might have been, because like, I do remember playing Maybe. Um, they might have been in one of those old, like, Yu-Gi-Oh! Duel... The, the Master, the master guide, guide or whatever things, they explain yeah. the lore. Yeah, uh, the monarchs are huge, and their thing is that they casually destroy the world. 
think Galacticus from the uh, Marvel Universe just shows up and they kind of just wreck shit just by existing. Yeah, so that's like, that's their thing. It's It's very similar actually to Ruin and Demise. Mm -hmm. Um, They just destroy the world. But their whole thing is destruction and rebirth. They they keep the cycle going. The Monarchs, I don't think they care about rebirth. They just get the job done. Ruin and Demise are in a toxic relationship, (laughs) whereas the Monarchs are just... Toxic. It's like rise. You see Riza, the monarch, and you're like, "Oh, you're my favorite one." And then a tornado blows your house away. And it's terror- like, oh, no. Are they terrorists? I guess they're more like evil gods or something. They're not evil. They destruction is how they exist to destroy. That's true. Like, they're, they're just they don't feel any one way about it. Well, it feels like Erebus might enjoy it. He definitely looks like actually based on his art, but he looks bored of it. That's true. It's like, like, it looks uh, like he's he's kind of just bored of the world getting destroyed every other week. Okay, well, I've got the final question. What you got? uh, It's a a juicy one. Oh, no. It's a very juicy story. Not a story, rather a question, although I guess there's a story to be had about it. Why don't women play Yu-Gi-Oh? Oh, no. Yeah, this one's loaded. So, I will preface this by saying, as I am not a woman, anything I say is not that useful. Because uh, yeah. I think only, truly only women can tell you why they don't play Yu-Gi-Oh. And you better fucking listen when they do. I'm uh, just gonna, <laughs> let me just put that out there. Okay. This, I think you raised a great point to start. I don't know how qualified we are to really, like, we can sit here and say, you know, they don't play for this reason or that. But at the end of the day, that's like their story to tell. It's like a lot anecdotes of people have a lot of dudes. different reasons. <laughs> yeah, so it's like if two dudes sit up here and tell you, like, this would be great for women, and this is what women do like and don't like. And this all, is what know. women need. Yeah, here's what they need, and here's what they think, and we become a Manosphere podcast. No. Uh, but I will give my opinions on why I think that the issue, and it is an issue, mm-hmm. uh, exists. But after you do. So oh, what, what do you think? Uh, <laughs> okay. I'm trying to gather my thoughts. I got to hang myself first. All right. Yeah, um, well, I gotta, I'm just kind of gathering my thoughts on it. So... From my point of view, uh, Yu-Gi-Oh has always been a bit of a, like a boys' club. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was when I was young, I only knew one girl who played Yu-Gi-Oh, and it was my cousin. And uh, she got into it because of the uh, the TV show. And you know, we played when we'd visit her. But then when Katrina hit, like most of my stories go, uh, she lost all of her stuff and moved away. And after that, that was the last time I saw a girl play Yu-Gi-Oh for many many years. And I played Yu-Gi-Oh throughout my entire childhood for the most part. And it was always just me and these other guys. But I think it's because Yu-Gi-Oh was marketed as a boy's like toy. Like car games are marketed as like a boy's gift, a boy's toy. And I, I mean, think it girls is, it weren't shown in. Yeah. So I guess like typically that's marketed towards boys. I think and it's not, and it's not speaking for all girls. Cause there's definitely girl, like female Yu-Gi-Oh players. Mm-hmm. But I think for the most part, uh, a lot of girls weren't given the opportunity to even get into it at the ground floor. So it's kind of weird to then ask, like, well, why aren't they playing right now? Well, a lot of them just didn't get into it early. Yeah. Okay. Lots of thoughts on what you just said, because I think that those are really good points. Um, so I knew, if I'm remembering it correctly, only two girls growing up who played Yu-Gi-Oh! One was my sister. She and I actually got into Yu-Gi-Oh! at the very same time watching the show. We both got started X. I got Kaiba. She got Yugi. We played. It was fun. Um, she dropped off from it at around the same time I did it first, which was like in 2000 and like maybe four, let's say three or four or something like that. Okay. So I played for like, you know, a year or two as a kid, not knowing what the hell was going on and that kind of thing. 
I got back into it in like seventh or eighth grade, but obviously she didn't. Also, for some context, she's like a year older than me, um, year and a half. But I think maybe even more so than that, the other better example uh, that was just like a friend from school was this girl who played, um, and she played pretty like like she was more into just anime and stuff in general. Mm-hmm. Um, her name's Sarah. Shout out to Sarah if you're watching this. I know she's watched some APS videos before. She. I haven't seen her in years, but she like messaged me once. I was like, ah, so you make like this Yu-Gi-Oh stuff. Anyway, yeah, so she played Yu-Gi-Oh. I think she still likes it to this day. I actually still own like her Chaos Dual Disc that she let me borrow, and I don't think I ever gave it back to her. <laughs> so, so Sarah, uh, uh, so pa- Paul wanna, owes you a dual yeah, disc. I, I owe you one. Um, yeah, but she was, I guess, what you might call more of like a otaku, like expected to be into Yu-Gi-Oh. Ah, an early, an OG Wii. Early bloomer, whatever you want to call that. Um, only two examples I can think of. The only other times I've really ever seen girls play, like playing with my own two eyes. I've seen plenty on the internet who play and stuff like that. But I'm just talking like person at locals is unfortunately that story where it's like guy making his girlfriend try it out or whatever. And you can tell she's not like super into it. And then typically they break up and she just kind of doesn't show back up at the card shop. Sad story. It happens. It does happen. And, and growing up, I didn't spend too much time in card shops. So I probably missed out on other opportunities to see uh, like women play the game. But, um, I mean... But fast-forwarding... Well, sorry, did you have... Nah, that's all I was going to say, fast-forwarding into that second point that you said, though, um, it makes it kind of tricky to... The, the whole topic of, like, I want them to play now. Like, why aren't they playing now? Because the truth is, it does take, with Yu-Gi-Oh! kind of... If you got into it when you were a kid then it's, like, easy. It's yeah, a very it's much natural easier. transition to just playing it as an adult. Like, sure, the game is different, but, like, I mean, you liked Yu-Gi-Oh! then, you didn't like it now. I think for a lot of girls, since it wasn't marketed towards them much, um, it would it would be difficult to get into it now. Like, the and interest then, uh, feels like it would not maybe be naturally there. And, yeah, we grew up being assigned to our gender roles. So even if, yeah. like, so if a girl took interest in Yu-Gi-Oh!, she like we got boys knew to hang out with other boys, girls knew to hang out with other girls, and since most Yu-Gi-Oh players were guys, that means that it would be on the it would be on her to cross the like gender role the gender barrier. Line, yeah, and like and it was a line. Yeah, that's yeah. a because like and we've all been there. Like as kids, I remember feeling like. If I, my mom was on one side of Walmart and had to get to her, I would walk all around the way around the, the girl, girl section because I'm, hey, I'm not supposed to be in there. That's not for me. Yeah, no, you're 100% right. And I think that that is, uh, that's a huge thing. Like, it's a tough barrier to cross when you're a kid. And once you're an adult, it just kind of feels like you, you've difficult. had so many years of just being on those divergent paths that mm-hmm. it's tough. It's like, it's it's similar, but not like, it's, it's kind of like um, me getting into Barbie as an adult now. You know the Barbie movie. The Barbie movie came out, mm-hmm. and it's actually because it was hard for me to even care about it. Because mentally, you're just... You, it, it just, it's, been, it's just an other... It's the other thing. Like, it, yeah, it was, the, it was like the other a, thing growing up. Yeah, it's like, I'm not even saying that as like, a, that's a good thing, it's just the way it is, and that's how it has to be, but more that that is the reality for a lot of people, and I think that that plays a big part into it. Another thing, because uh, I've got like two more big thoughts on this the first is i don't think that Yu-Gi-Oh is doing a good enough job of like try like because i noticed there are girls who play magic and i feel like more girls uh, i see more girls in magic i don't know if that's like like 
I've had the same observation. That could vary and I'm not wildly sure from shop to shop. Why? Though. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I want to say Yu-Gi-Oh's not doing enough to like pull them in, but I also don't know that Magic's doing anything different. Like it doesn't have. Good like if, if we're talking, if it's a matter of simplifying it down, like just have pink sets and flowers and girls will play. But then neither of these games has that. I'm not no. saying that that was like. The, like I'm just making an extreme example. Well, Yu-Gi-Oh made the Rose Dragon archetype, and they're like, "Where are you? Come on, where are you guys?" Yeah, it's just like it doesn't. I don't know. I don't know that either game is doing anything because there are plenty of waifu archetypes. So, right. like, if you want to kind of have just like some relatability, like some female characters and stuff, you could play Exo Sisters. So I feel play like they Rika. appeal more to guys. But yeah, it feels like they are kind of made for the male gaze, and then also. I, the, the packs don't really make it immediately obvious that that would maybe be something for you. But I'm not even 100% I don't know if sure. That's like a factor. Um, how do you. Because marketing to like boys versus girls back in the early 2000s was a very simple endeavor, right? Blue or pink. But. And toys were. How do you figures. do gendered marketing today to in 2023 yeah. when one, there are no longer just two genders? Like, there is, this is a much more nuanced conversation. And also, like, it just, I don't even know that. Yeah, it's just different people. It's, just, it's a, the, we are all different people than who we were way back when. And I don't even, I don't even know how to do it. So I doubt Konami necessarily knows how do, to market to these different demographics. It's interesting. I think that the only you have to be one of those like games where it's just almost the work's been done for you. Like I think of like Pokemon and like Disney Lorcana. The the tr- it's ar- the groundwork has already the been set. already been set. You know, yeah. Pokemon ha- has always been inclusive. I'm not 100 percent sure what they did to make it more inclusive, but it always has I, I'm been. I'm not gonna lie. I think a big part with Pokemon is a the things are cute, and b you got to pick between a boy or a girl. You couldn't do that in Red and Blue, but after like Pokemon mm. Silver, it's pretty much been like a consistent thing. Also. They're starting up some machine outside. So, so I guess we should wrap um, it up. So we should probably wrap it up. I will say really quickly then, the last major part is the um, the My communities themselves. Vibrating. Yeah, I know. I guess <laughs> the communities themselves um, are not maybe very inviting to girls. No guys kind of act out. But uh, we have been known to. That's at that point. I mean, that's not really a. I don't. I don't know what to say. People just got to be better. Agreed. Like that's that's. I want to say something on it because I do think it's important to like. If girls do show up at your card shop, please just treat them like people. That's all. I don't know. That's all I can say. Like, just treat them like people. Don't you know? There's no need to be like a creep. They're not like an object to be gawked at or like flirted with. They're there to. Because they're like interested in Yu-Gi-Oh and they want to play it. Just crush not, them like everyone else you do at the table. Just yeah, like do that. OTK like, them, that board whatever. lock them. You know the normal yeah, stuff. You can like do that without being. You know. like, go ahead and hand loop them, like you know. Yeah. So anyway, um, everybody deserves our, Exodia FTK. We've gotten our cue to probably wrap this thing up. So thanks for watching. Um, all of your views, comments, kind reviews, everything. I almost said thanks for watching Slap for Slackers. <laughs> thanks for watching Slap for Slackers. That'll be out again soon. We're working on it. Don't worry. Uh, cool. And we'll see you guys in the next one. Pass, Pass turn. turn.